Hey, who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at 113. Ooh, I love you for some. One day, I shall come back. Oh, dear. We are in trouble, aren't we? I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. I have the advantage of being slightly ahead of you. Sometimes behind you, but normally ahead of you. The trouble with time travel is... One never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. A meteor storm that the sky above us was dancing with light. Purple, green, brilliant yellow, yes! I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. It's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Just remember who's standing in your way. Look at the eyebrows. These are attack eyebrows. You can take bottle tops off of these. Howdy do, Who fans, and welcome to Big Blue Box Podcast. We are at episode 113. Hope you guys have had a fantastic week and that you've managed to do something Doctor Who related in your lives. I was dancing so enthusiastically during the intro there that I knocked the mic. So <laughs> if listeners heard a big clunk just after Sylvester McCoy, that was me. I had you on mute, mate. It's all good. Oh, did it? oh okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, I, I was getting a bit carried away. I was trying to build up some energy. Come on. <laughs> As a safety precaution, I always have the microphones muted for that very reason. Because uh. I normally start fiddling with stuff and inevitably the mic always gets knocked. Yeah. And we do yeah. always have a bit of a groove we do. the music, don't we? So Indeed. it is very easy to, to knock a mic, yeah. Yeah, we're doing like some finger bogling, we're doing some boxes big big box little box yeah some waves the whole lot we also do the odd uh mime along as well oh i pretty much um every time actually and sometimes without even realizing i'm just sat again worthing uh, mouthing the words you know especially unlimited <laughs> rice pudding unlimited uh, rice pudding. pudding i love yeah. the way he just yells that one yeah you know and the word pudding as well gets the very <laughs> pronounced p at the beginning pudding mm. yeah Ding. Yeah. it's good it's good stuff old sylv mm-hmm. <laughs> so 113 113 i said unlucky for some because it's 13 yes welcome aboard guys uh new listeners howdy do hello hello welcome aboard old timers how you doing <laughs> it's good to have you on board as per usual don't forget the lurkers and the lurkers i, lurk. I love the lurkers yeah gotta love come a good on. lurker i'm out come out <laughs> Don't be afraid. Come out, come out wherever you are. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Mm. Say hello. Um, <laughs> have you had a good week, buddy? What have you been up to? Anything cool? Um, well, I've had, I've got some cool stuff coming up. Um, yeah. Um, uh, I haven't really done much this week. I did. <laughs> I did listen to some Murray Gold this week and I'll mention this for a reason because I was I was doing the doing the ironing as you do and I needed something relaxing oh, normally crikey. I listen to a big fin- finish but uh, I wasn't in the mood I needed some music so um, bizarrely I'm part on the 50th anniversary you know the day of the doctor soundtrack I listen to that all the time yeah well I, I haven't yeah. listened to it for a while actually um, so I thought yeah I'll give that a blast, and uh, I was really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking this is this is good stuff, you know. Murray's Murray's on top form, but it got me thinking. Um, I was thinking, is Murray Gold doing the music for Series Ten? 
uh, for series, what's the one where Chibnall's taken? 11. 11. Mm-hmm. 11. So, well, we're assuming he's doing series 10, are we? I would think so. Probably, yeah. Because yeah. I was just wondering, as much as we love Murray's music, and I do, I think, he's, I think his music's fantastic, but I was thinking, with a new showrunner, possibly a new Doctor, do we need some, you know, some new music? Because Murray's great, mm-hmm. but... But listening to that soundtrack did make me think a lot of the tunes are just variations. So, I, you know, I'm starting to get to know this, this, this sort of his style and his themes very, very well at this point. So I'm thinking, would it be good, as much as I love Murray, would it be good to try somebody new on the show to give it a fresh feel? Um, so I was very torn on that because, as I said, I love Murray's music, but part of me feels, you know, a bit like as I absolutely love Dudley Simpson in the classic series. I think his music is just fantastic. But it's always nice when you get like the odd episode like Terror Zygons where somebody else has done a score Mm because it gives it a different feel. So, yeah, I just wonder if maybe not get rid of him completely, but maybe (laughs) just maybe if he just did a couple and got somebody else to do some. I don't know. Would it give it a what do you reckon? Would you or are you Murray all the way? You mean a bit like uh, the moth just turf him out into the street once series 10 (laughs) is done? Go on, get out. (laughs) Out, out yeah. with a lot of you. <laughs> um, you think we need a change up, mate? Because he has had a, a long old stint he, now, hasn't he? Well, the music's such a big part of it, and it does create a lot of the atmosphere. And I was just sort of thinking, the show does need um, freshening up. I was just thinking, would would part of that be good if it was the music that was, you know, different? Well, here, here's just the thing. It out. Yeah. Here's the thing for me. When I went, to, I I've got two views on this, mate, coming from two different areas. The first one is just watching the shows themselves and listening mm. to the soundtrack. I feel like the all the music from pre-Matt Smith is better because mm. I think the themes are a lot more distinct. Like if you think about Rose's theme versus Donna's theme, very, very different yeah. in their style. They sound very different. And then we have like real iconic themes like um, – I think it's called Veiledatum, you know, the Tenth Doctor's regeneration music, very, yeah, you yeah. know, big. And then we've got really fun themes like Wilf's theme, and um, you know, that's. So I think that they're a lot more. I, I I much prefer that era in terms of Murray Gold. I think the newer stuff with Matt Smith, with the exception of Matt Smith's theme, which I think is called "I Am the Doctor," which mm. gets used for everything <laughs> God, they even used it in the new christmas trailer i realized the other day yeah. i was like oh come on guys give that it's a great track but give it a rest exactly it's great yeah. it's really good but it's used for everything with the exception mm. of that and maybe a couple of other little bits it for me it does sound more samey and mm. is a lot more um used for sort of light background music um rather than you know these very distinctive themes the other area where I'm looking at it from is um, you and I have seen uh, two or at least two live concerts with mm-hmm. an orchestra playing music from who. So when I went to the proms a few years ago and it was all Murray Gold's music up to Matt Smith and including some of his, that was amazing. But when yeah. I saw the Symphonic Spectacular, which was the 12th Doctor's theme and a lot of music from there, I wasn't as blown away and wasn't as into it. Mm. So I feel that Murray Gold's music is better in the earlier stuff. Whereas we've had just one or two. No, it's not fair to say we've had a handful of good themes in the newest. Well, you know, the Matt Smith onwards. Mm. 
My my favourite one is the the one at the concert, the proms, where they do the doctors. They go through each doctor, and what's the what's the track called? Is it um, Gallifrey or something? This or? is Gallifrey. It's a, yep. such a brilliant piece of music. It's amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, it, it just got me thinking because I was thinking this music's great. I love it, but I could almost hear in my head the themes. I was thinking, I know what's coming here. You know, I was just thinking like it would be good. I think maybe part of me thinks to, to freshen up with a new composer mm. um, just to see how it works, you know, because uh, like you said, that will be Murray's. Well, if, if he's on series 10, he will have done 10 series of Doctor Who now. Um, maybe he wants to move on, you know, as well. Perhaps he wants to do something different. Um, yeah, but yeah, it just maybe. got me thinking really because his music is so good though. Part of me would sort of miss it because it has become such a big part of the show. But yeah, I was just thinking about series 11 a lot, really just thinking, where are we going with it? You know mm. what we're going to get. So it got me thinking, um, but apart from that, I haven't really been doing much this week. Um, just ironing, listening to music. <laughs> I've got some great stuff coming up this week, actually. Um, by the time we record next week's podcast, um, I will have done quite a bit because, uh, tomorrow or yesterday, if you listen to this podcast on release, um, I'm going to the class premiere. Uh, up in London um, I didn't win tickets I was, <laughs> I was a bit gutted actually I didn't win tickets to it and then somebody um, that I know from Twitter uh, messaged me and said he'd got a spare and did I want to go and I was like absolutely so I'm looking forward to that um, should be good I'm also meeting you beforehand so Big Blue Box meet up we'll be going to FP indeedy taking the mick out of those too guys much money. Yeah. yeah yeah that's right yeah I'm going to introduce you to the, the, the miserable sales no I'm going to introduce you to him I'm going to point out the miserable salesman that, <clears throat> that I can't stand in there um, but that's going to be cool so Big Blue Box meet up class premiere in the evening and then on Sunday um, I've got tickets to Polarity Day which <laughs> you also got tickets <laughs> yes but unfortunately, now you can't go. Indeedy. I got my days mixed up. So in true Gary fashion, <laughs> I thought that Polarity Day was on the Saturday. And it turns out that, no, it is in fact on the Sunday and I'm not going to be here. I'm away that weekend, this weekend. Ah, yeah. uh, so that's annoyed me. No end. I've not, I'm not annoyed at anyone or anything other than myself. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, it's a shame that because it's not without rubbing it in. It's, it's shaping up to be a really great day that i still think for a free event it's sounding brilliant like colin baker's there um who else is there katie manning richard franklin mm-hmm. it's good you know for a free event it's, it's sounding gr- really good um so yeah I, gutted about that mate i was looking forward to seeing it polarity day but i am looking forward to that obviously i'll see you tomorrow or yesterday depending yeah. <laughs> i just realized how timey-wimey the podcast is because we're recording on a wednesday mm. but obviously by the time it goes out um we'll have met up I'll have been and seen the first two episodes of class and then we'll report about it next week on the podcast. I'll let you know. Yes. I didn't apply for tickets to the premiere. To class? Yeah. I wonder why. I'm happy just to just to catch that as it goes out on the internet. When does it? Is it actually because the premiere is Thursday, but it does actually go out on the internet on Saturday, doesn't it? So it's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's only like a. You know, if I hadn't won tickets, well, I didn't win tickets, but if I hadn't got to go to it, I wouldn't be too bothered because it's not exactly a big wait, is it? It's not like I'm getting to see it two weeks before or something <laughs> like they did with um, with some of the Doctor Who premieres that, mm. that went on. Yeah, like Deep Breath, I think they showed it, was that two or three? I remember it was quite a while before it actually Yeah, it was aired. three weeks, I think. Yeah, yeah, because I remember thinking, God, it's going to be spoilers everywhere. And amazingly, there, there wasn't actually. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so I get to see it a whole... Well, it's, a day and a, a 
a day and a bit before you. (laughs) Yeah. But it'd be cool because it'll be on a, well, it's, yeah, it's at the Rich Cinema, which I've never been to. So it'd be good to see it on the big screen, I guess. So, yeah, kind of looking forward to that. Yeah. Talking of the big screen, one of the things that I'm most gutted about, um, about not being at Polarity Day is missing the screening of the Claws of Axos on the big screen. Mm, Yeah. I was really looking forward to seeing that with loads of other people on a big screen. So that's annoyed me as well. It will be good. I gotta say, do you know, one of the things I wish I'd known you when they had the cushion movies on the big screen. Cause I went to see them at the Riverside studios, um, for the anniversary of them or something. I can't remember what the event was. Um, and it, just seeing those, they did them back to back. So they did both films, oh, yeah. uh, you know, on, on the big screen. And I, I, you haven't seen the cushion movies yet, have you? Yeah. Or have you seen the first one? All right. Yeah. Cause I, I just loved seeing them on the big screen and I kept thinking, right, that'd be just, I'd just love to go and see them with you on the big screen. Cause I just think the music, the Daleks themselves in it, you know, <laughs> Bernard Cribbins are just, they were fantastic. So I hope they do that again at some point. I'm trying to think when the next anniversary will be. Um, I'm not too sure how old they are actually. Probably don't want to think of it. I think, yeah. is it? I think so. Yeah, so yeah. hopefully they'll do another big screen of those because that, that, they are great on the big screen. What number yeah. podcast will we be on in 2019? Oh, gosh. If we're still going in 2019, <laughs> that'll be a... Wow. Wow, yeah. Uh, I, I can't... I don't know. Welcome to episode 521. I could hear the countdown music in my head when you asked me that. <laughs> Trying to work out how, what, uh, what, what episode we'd be on. I'm not sure. Yeah, that but we'll be a wimey. bit greyer. Yeah. Let's put it that way. A bit grey. <laughs> well, I'll be a bit more bolder, and you'll be a bit more greyer. And we'll be reviewing series thirteen, series fourteen, whatever it might. Eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. <laughs> wow, yeah, it's amazing to think what will be, who will be the Doctor in twenty nineteen. Yeah, and who will be doing the music? Maybe Murray Gold still there, banging out the tune, the, the, banging out the music. Like, <laughs> Murray Gold, yeah, yeah, come they, on. They Murray. wanted to get rid of me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, he doesn't talk like that. But yeah. To be fair to Murray Gold, I would say that he's probably on a nice, a nice wedge mm. with the, his music. So I'm not surprised that he's uh, that he stayed on. And maybe he's got more. Maybe he's a bit like. Um, uh, a bit of a David Tennant moment. You know when he has those meetings where it's like the moths in there, maybe Chibnall, some other people, and they're like, we've had this discussion a couple of times now, haven't we, Murray? And we think it's time for you to maybe hang mm. up hang up the baton. And he <laughs> yeah. just does the whole, I don't want to go. <laughs> and the tears start streaming down, and they're like, oh, Christ. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right, you can stay. Yeah. One more seat. One more series. Another year. Yeah. A bit like Tom Baker when he kept threatening to leave. He said, I'll, I'll leave. And then eventually <laughs> they just said, okay, goodbye. And they were like, what? Couldn't believe it. Do you know what? Yeah. Talking of Tom Baker, uh, I know we're kind of off subject here, but um, I I left the, you know, when we, what, what did we review last week? It was, um, what did we review last week? Last week, The Awakening. Um, yeah. So it must've been the one before that then. Oh, no, no. It wasn't our review episode. I was watching some classic Who um, the other the other day. Um, I was watching Legopolis and Castrovalva. Oh yes. And um, I, I watched Legopolis. Um, it was uh, an evening. I, Careful, we haven't reviewed them. I'm not going to talk about the episode. It's cool, right, but um, okay. I 
I came downstairs the next day. I was doing something, and the disc was still in there. I thought, I'm going to watch the special features because mm. I hadn't actually seen them at that point because I normally watch the special features when I first get them. But yeah. I hadn't watched the Legopolis one, so I stuck them on, and there's that great um, documentary about Tom leaving the show. It's brilliant, yeah. And it's there was a, a guy at my work who was saying um, that he knew somebody who had written some Doctor Who books, like his next-door neighbour or his neighbour but one, um, is one of the authors for some of the Doctor Who books. I think her name was Una, Una McCormack. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think her name, name. was. Um, and uh, she was saying that, yeah, some of her author friends and stuff like that, you know, that she knows a couple of people at Big Finish and she knows some people at The Beeb. And when she was round at dinners around her friend's house, um, their next-door neighbour was Tom Baker. And they Next were talking. Oh my! And goodness. they were talking about, um, you know, do you ever speak to him? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we normally speak to him, and uh, you know, we say hello and stuff. But yeah, he's just a bit of a. And I'm going to have to beep that that word out. They basically said he's a bit of a beep. What well, now or back then? Now. Now. Yeah, and I was oh, no, and I thought to myself, and and when I heard that, I immediately got my mind got drawn to that special, that documentary that I watched in the special features where he admitted, you know, he actually admits that he was extremely difficult to work with. He wasn't that nice a lot of the time. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of the bit when he's doing the regeneration scene and the director's saying to him, Tom, could you beckon the watch it? And he goes mad, doesn't he? Yeah. Beckon? I'm not beckoning anything. He's like really going, you know, he's very cranky um, on those scenes. Oh no, that's, that shattered my illusion of Tom because I thought he'd really mellowed out in his old age. Cause I've, Mm -hmm. I've been lucky enough to meet Tom quite quite a few times over the years bearing in mind you know my age and and how long i've been a doctor who fan you know i've I've met him a few times over the years and uh you know my first sort of meeting with tom um i wouldn't say he 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 seemed quite he wasn't he was friendly but he didn't sort of leave an amazing impression on me Hmm. whereas the last couple of times i've met tom and the first time would have been way back when so you know Perhaps he wasn't that into Doctor Who. He's come come back into it a bit more now. But the last few times I met Tom, I've I've really enjoyed meeting him, and he seems so much more relaxed and um, <laughs> so much more chatty and and just at ease. Yeah, you know. Um, so I kind of yeah, I don't know. I kind of a bit torn now. You said that. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't shattered my illusion that you know he's a he's a lovely guy now because, like you, I've met him a couple of times now, and he's always been lovely. He's always been really nice. You know, not not got that vibe from him at all that he's you know you know he's just been really nice but yeah. you never know you know at conventions where you have to be smiley and nice i, I don't i'm not sure I'm, not, I'm pretty sure he's not like that but who knows who it was knows? just uh interesting to hear something sort of second or third hand yeah if you like so um but yeah but that that documentary it was absolutely crystal clear wasn't it that the script editor and a couple of the directors as well were just so desperate to get rid of him oh, no. because he was so difficult to work with. Well, he admits that himself, doesn't he? He said he's, you know, he became really, really hard work. Yeah. You know? And you can see it on the cast are all on edge yeah. around him and stuff. And um, yeah, it shows a bit in the performance as well. I think after, you know, after he got married to Lala and that lasted that short yeah, period of time yeah. yeah and then they divorced and he carried on in the show and he he, he def- his 
you know his persona of the doctor definitely um definitely changes towards the end of his era i would say and i think that's reflected in tom uh you know off off screen as well Mm. yeah because he looks different as well he looks very he looks quite sort of gaunt compared to how he looked when he started you know understandably because he was the doctor for such a long time mm-hmm. of course his appearance get changed but mm. but I do, I do love that documentary i guess i'm not going to say anything about legopolis because we haven't done that yet not yet um no. and it's one i'm looking forward to doing actually because it's one of my earliest memories uh, legopolis it's one of the first things i can remember ever watching mm-hmm. uh, of doctor who so it's it's yeah, it's quite special to me in that sense. But um but yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, to to see all the behind the scenes stuff mm-hmm. going on. I think we said about City of Death, when we reviewed City of Death, we were saying how the cast just gel and get on so brilliantly and yet apparently behind the scenes it was a nightmare. And you just mm-hmm. sort of think, Wow, did that didn't come across on screen. I would never have known all that yeah. was going on. Yeah. Whereas I think in Legopolis you can almost sense. I mean he he literally bites Matthew Waterhouse's <laughs> head off at one point poor poor lad so yeah tom oh tom i'll be seeing him again are you coming to the i'm going to the disappearing planet event in slough oh they've they've re you know one you know we always <laughs> laugh on the website that they say it's windsor yeah but because it's actually, it sounds posher and it's actually slough <laughs> yeah they've actually changed it they've actually changed because it did say windsor and they've changed it to slough it's just the hotel website the copthorne yeah, yeah, on the Tenth Planet website. Oh, on the website. All oh, right, okay. on the Tenth Planet. Yeah, they've actually called it, put it a slough now. Ah, okay. So, um, but he's appearing there on the twentieth of November, and uh, I've got tickets to that. So I'll be meeting Tom again. I, don't I just think want so. a good picture with him. I just, I've had a couple of pictures with him, and I'm never happy with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, every time I meet him, I'm, I like buy another photo and hope that I'll get a good one. But uh, yeah, yeah. But you're not coming to that one, are you? I don't think you can make that one. Um, I don't think so. I'll have a look. No, I can't remember actually if that one's on the cards or not. Keep it on your radar. Yeah, yeah. So, have you been doing anything, Doctor Who, this week or not? Um, no, other than sticking on a bunch of classic Who, I've watched. Yeah, I watched those two. Um, I watched um, a couple of Tennant episodes. Actually, speaking of David Tennant, um, one thing that I have done is started to get through uh, Peter Davison's new book. Oh right, yeah, um, which is really good. Um, it? And it's a really good forward uh, by David Tennant. Oh. And one of his earliest memories was being a really big fan of of Tom Baker's Doctor when he was young mm. um, and really, really not sure how he was going to feel about a new Doctor taking over from Tom because, you know, that was his Doctor, if you like, quote unquote. And yeah. um, he was saying that when he watched uh, Castro Valva, um he was just very uncertain, like, who's this guy playing the Doctor? I've only ever known, you know, one guy to be the Doctor. And uh, I think he said by episode two of Peter Davison's series, he was asking his nan to knit him a cricket jumper and uh, and, a, and he wanted a cream-coloured coat and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you can you can tell a mile off that uh, David Tennant's got a, a huge amount of respect and love for for his father-in-law. Hmm. And uh, But no, the... Um, I think I'm about three, three and a bit chapters in, and it's uh, it's really good reading so far. If those of you that read that, his interview in um, the Doctor Who magazine, um, it, it's pretty much in that same uh, in that same vibe, if you like. Where even in the I'm not sure, I've forgotten what they call it, the preface. So David Tennant does the forward, and I think he does the pre whatever it is. 
the other one that's like an intro. Um, even in that bit there, he basically says, well, I've fallen out with the publishers. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. So we're no longer, you know, working together. And it was all over the, that. Yeah. yeah, it was all over the title of the book. And so he basically just told them to do one. So <laughs> if, if you've read that interview in the Doctor Who magazine where it's like very honest, doesn't really hold any punches back, you know, it's quite, you know, shoot from the hip. It, you can tell even from page one that is it's like that throughout the entire book. Oh, brilliant. I'm hoping yep. to pick this up tomorrow in FP if they've got it. Um, yeah, yeah, I really, really want, yeah. yeah, well, I say if they've got it, let me rephrase that. If they've got it for a decent price. All oh, right. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have been hovering over getting it from a certain online company, which I don't I try not not to use too much, but they've got it at a very good price. Limit. But yeah, I I'm, I'm really want to get my hands on that. that mm. one. It's yeah. a very, very good read so far from what I'm I'm about three and a bit chapters in and uh, yeah, it's just great to to finally hear because one of the things that that he alluded to in the interview was that when he was playing the doctor, whenever he was doing an interview or a, uh, a, whether it's a video or, a, you know, a special feature or something like that, he was always playing almost a persona of himself. Mm. So he was very much like a mixture of Tristan from all creatures, great and small and somebody else. And even though he grew up as like a, you know, a London, you know, bit of a lad, if you like, um, he sort of took on this, almost posh persona and people thought he was like this upper middle class you know sort of posh boy and but now he's sort of he's out of that now so he feels like he doesn't need to you know do that anymore he just wants to be peter yeah um and it's a great read so far so i've been into that so i'm going to hopefully uh finish it over the next few days um yeah just watched a bunch of classic who a couple of tenant episodes and that's me that's not bad it's not bad going actually not a bad week not a bad week at all. Yes. Right. We should probably get into the news, shouldn't we? Yes. Let's land it and let's do some news. There's a new classic story coming out soon. Yeah, so I hear. One that we thought lost. Forever. Well, the video part of it lost anyways. Mm. Power of the Daleks, or The Power of the Daleks, should I say. Uh, as we know, is going to be released on DVD very soon, actually, isn't it? Um, when's that out on DVD? It must be really uh, soon. 20th, I think it's, yeah, middle, middle of November, isn't it? Yeah, mm. 14th. Ah, there you I think. go. Something like that. Um, and our friends in the US will have an opportunity to see said story at the cinema, mm. which is great. I'd love to see this at the cinema. Yes. Uh, so um, there's uh, a company over in the US called uh, Fathom Events, and we've heard this name pop up quite a bit because over the years, whenever there's been quite a big uh, screening or a premiere or something like that, like a series opener or something, these guys normally... Uh, team up with BBC Worldwide or BBC America, whoever it is, mm. and they do a cinema screening, which is really good. So on the 14th of November, um, uh, which is a few days, actually, yeah, so the um, it will go out on TV on the 19th of November over in the US. So a few days before, on the 14th, you'll be able to see it in the cinema and um, you can basically nab tickets for it from... Now, I believe. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if you jump over to the Fathom Events website, um, you can uh, nab tickets there. I think um, there are still there are tickets available. If memory serves, I had a quick look at the website earlier. I'm sure there were tickets available still. Um, but it's one of those things where you normally get some cosplayers turn up um, and they've got some, uh, they normally have like little goodie bags or something there as well. It, it, they do it pretty well from what I understand. Can you imagine loads of, yes, Patrick Trout and cosplayers there. That'd be amazing. It is great. It was good to to hear that Doc 2's in the cinemas. It means, you know, that they're really sort of putting their weight behind this release, which is, I think it's a great release. Um, obviously, I'd, I'd love it if it was at the cinemas here. I don't know how well it would do compared to the US because uh, I'm guessing it's mainly hardcore fans that are going to go for this. Um, but I'll tell you what I would love to see over here uh, is it being shown on the TV like they're doing in the States. I would love to see this um, have a TV airing over in, in the UK, wouldn't you? Maybe, you know, obviously the, after they've released the DVD because they've got to get the DVD sales in and stuff. But, you know, imagine sort of maybe over Christmas or something having this on. It'd be fantastic. Oh, that would be so good. would be brilliant. It'd be really yeah, good. Maybe they'll do that. But, can, yeah, imagine this on sort of Boxing Day or, you know, getting – because kids would sort of be, you know, able to watch it then. And they might not necessarily, if you know what I mean, go and buy the DVD. But if they saw this on the TV – they might be, you know, get might get them back into it, into the classics. I think it'd be brilliant. It would be, yeah. Mm. Um, and as a little um, extra nugget of of coolness, um, there's going to be a, a couple of special features shown after the oh. stories have gone uh, after they've been shown. So I think they're just going to have um, a bunch of interviews with the, the original cast members. They must be pretty old now. Mm. Well, <laughs> yeah. Who have we got? Um, well, it's probably who's going to be there at the premiere. I'm trying to think now. It's Annika Wills, isn't it? Must be. I was going to say. Uh, I was going to say. Um, yes. Zoe, but it's not Zoe, is it? It's Annika Wills, Annika and it'll Wills, be. Yeah. Uh, I think Fraser Hines might be doing it, although he's not in the episode. But obviously, you know, he's, he's so connected to Patrick, and I yeah. think he might be there as well. So yeah. yeah, sounds good. Looking forward to seeing what we actually get in terms of extras on the DVD. I'm assuming there'll be something. Um. Yeah, I'm assuming there'll be a feature on doing the animated stuff bringing it to life mm. via animation and because it does look fantastic i'm uh, the of all the stuff that's coming up um so the christmas special and class and stuff i'm probably most excited about this mm. if i'm being honest do you know they're a very minor niggle but do you know what i wish it was being released on blu-ray um just because i feel blu-ray is you know the sort of latest format if you know what i mean so I, I, it does annoy me that the BBC, some of the things they do release on Blu-ray, and I'm, I'm trying to think now, there was something the other day I saw release, and I I can't remember what it was, but it was something awful. And I remember thinking, so that's on Blu-ray, but Adventure in Space and Time is, you know, you can only get as part of a set that was deleted. And, do you know what I mean, things, their sort of choices for Blu-ray to baffle me sometimes. Um, and I wish I could remember what it was because it would make more sense. It, let's just say it was something like... Um, uh, you know, Postman Pat or something. <laughs> it was just something I just was like, you're joking me, that's on Blu-ray and this isn't. So maybe they will release it on Blu-ray, but for now, I suppose DVD will do. It's just it's a six-parter, so we've got the layer transition and all that for us techno, yeah. you know, yeah. photo. I yeah. would say that it would come to Blu-ray at some point. Surely. Because the animation was done fairly recent, so it would be yeah, in yeah. HD for sure. But uh, yeah. Yes. Um, so the um, the DVD, incidentally, if you want to pre-order that, is out on the twenty first of November. 
And yes, although we're not getting it in HD, we're not getting it on Blu-ray, it does still look really good. It does. Yeah, I'm very excited to see it. Same as you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, US fans, if you want to go and see it at the cinema, uh, head over to fathomevents.com, do a search on there for Power of the Daleks or Doctor Who, and nab your tickets. Should be good. Excellent. Okay, um, in other news, class, we were talking about earlier, the BBC, where, you know, this is a bit like buses, isn't it, Gary? We get one pro, <laughs> promo image uh, that we have to last for months with, and then all of a sudden we get a billion of them because uh, they've just released a load more pictures from it, um, which is good. I'm glad to see they're finally ramping up a bit of um, publicity for the show. Um, and some of these promo pictures look good. <laughs> some of them look exactly what I expected them to look like, like kids sat in a classroom. Um, it's not on the pictures we're looking at now, but they did release a very, I don't think you were so impressed with it actually, but I posted a picture yesterday of this, this thing. Um, I can't remember what it's called cause I, I thought it was the Pyroville, but it's not this like rock creature oh, yes. with fire coming out of it and stuff, which I thought looked really good. I, I was like, ah, oh, that's the one. Yep. Yeah. I, I thought it was really cool, but you, you weren't as impressed. I don't think we, when um, you, no. And I'll tell you why just to get this bit of negativity out of the way. Um, it just looks identical um, to what you'd see in one of the Marvel Universe movies. Ah, uh, right. Remember my main gripe about class was that it just mm. seems too generic and it seems like a bunch of stuff that we've all seen already. Yeah. You know, this monster looks, it reminds me a lot of, uh, if you guys have seen the second Thor movie. Yeah. Um, one of the guys, actually Chris Eccleston, in actuality plays the bad guy in that second oh, Thor movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, yeah. This guy looks exactly like a mixture of that versus the ice creatures things in the uh, the first Thor movie mm. um, for whatever. So it doesn't look original. It doesn't look like this is... Anyway, that's it. Carry on, mate. Cool, uh, yeah. Cool well, I, I quite yeah. like him. What's he called again? Uh, he's called... Um, uh, Coricanus. Coricanus, yeah. yeah. I um, yeah, I quite like the look of him. Um, any of these other Premier pictures grabbing you? Um, no. Obviously, Capaldi's in a few. <laughs> no, um, Capaldi's in a few. Um, there's a bit of kissing going on, and it looks like we're at a prom or something. Uh, right. Some pictures. So, but there there is quite a lot, isn't there? I mean, I'm sure um, our listeners have have seen these by now. But if you haven't, just pop over to Doctor Who News dot net, and you can see a whole. There's about 40 or 50 pictures. Yeah. Um, Here's my other gripe. My other gripe, uh, which I mentioned on last week's show as well. And a couple of people have mentioned it on Twitter, actually. Um, Our good buddy, Martin uh, Badwilf, put out a tweet a couple of days ago to say his only apprehension about class was that all of the people in high school look like they're about 26. (laughs) And there's a couple of pictures. If you go through and if you just do a search for class pictures or something like that, you'll you'll find them. There's a couple of pics when they're in a classroom, funnily enough. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When they're in their classroom and they're sat at their desks and they've got their books out and all the rest of it. Um, And it just looks ridiculous because it looks like they should all be at work with a job at that age, (laughs) not sitting in a classroom. So that's my only other thing as well. It just looks like why, why is there a bunch of fully grown adults? Uh, Yeah. Why is there a bunch of fully grown adults sitting in a classroom it just looks weird but Mm. uh, but anyway 
I'm sure all of that negativity will be blown away in a in a mist of awesomeness when class gets released. Yeah, well, I'll let yeah, I'll let you know. I was going to say I'm. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because I was saying to Gary before we started recording, the the person I'm going with, who actually gave me the ticket, um, is very much like Gary in that he's not convinced at all uh, by what he's seen so far. And I'm kind of on the fence. I'm kind of thinking it's, yeah, it's looking okay to me. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, by the next podcast, we'll know, won't we? We'll be able to give a little mini mini review or whatever next week. So we'll we'll see who how things pan out but for now yeah if you want to see if you want to see a gazillion class promo picks they're they're out there for you yes. to see <laughs> yeah yeah and that's it for the news there ain't a lot else going on is there really no not much and um, we have got a bit of merch though yes just one bit let's get the daleks in see yeah. what they've got for us merch corner merch corner merch corner <laughs> I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. I've also got another vision. You know when we're saying about Matt Smith wandering out of Stonehenge off his nut? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got, you know, in uh, Return of the Jedi, where R2-D2 is working on Jabba the Hutt sail barge and he's got like uh, <laughs> drink shelves attached to him. Yeah. That's what we've got going on with the Daleks. <laughs> that would be brilliant. They come in and they've just got some shelves attached to them and they come wheeling in with our items of merch for that week. Would you like some tea? Yeah, we've like got Victor Darks. Well yeah, trained. Awesome. Don't worry about that. Uh, it's quite ironic that actually that the the uh, the tenant clip that you've used fits very well with what you're about to say, isn't it? Yes. I was thinking I almost imagined him looking at it as yeah. you were playing that clip in. So uh, coming in December, we have an absolutely awful bit of merch coming. Mm. Uh, we have a 5.5-inch uh, <laughs> uh, Doctor Who figure. It's the 10th Doctor in his tuxedo. And the only thing that looks... Oh, I can't even describe to you how bad this figure looks. Um, if you just do a search... If you go to um, one of the resources that we use a lot is the uh, the Doctor Who site.co.uk. If you nip over there and just go onto the merchandise uh, bit, you'll see him on there. Um, and I was going to say the only one bit that looks any good on this figure is the black and white Converse shoes at the bottom, but they don't even look that good now I'm looking at it. I'm um, just spanning down. Mm. It's the David Tennant figure from, I think it's one of the Cybermen stories. He's in his tuxedo. It is, yeah. yeah. And um, he's holding his sonic screwdriver, and yeah, it's just it looks extremely poor quality. It doesn't look anything like David Tennant at all apart from a slight resemblance with the hair but the face looks absolutely nothing like it the bow tie it just is part of the molded plastic and is painted it looks bloody dreadful um so if figures are your thing steer clear of this one um and interestingly enough they've only announced one so they normally with these (laughs) things it's a series or a wave but it's just one figure and they've picked Hmm. a bloody awful one uh to release i don't even know who it's by who's it by is it character it's character, mate. Yeah. Well, it's underground toys because it seems like the UK market has completely died off. So this is um, a US release, but it will filter over here. So it's actually, I think it's underground toys uh, are actually doing it, but they are basically character, but for the US market, I, I believe. Yeah. Right. It's funny because you said if you're into your figures, and I am, as you know, and um, there's been a bit of build up on Twitter about these announcements. So I was like, oh, 
good we're getting some more stuff at last um and i was pleased to hear it was going to be a 5.5 figure because i really didn't like the 3.75 range or whatever they were and um it seems that a lot of people were really pleased with this announcement and i've got to say i'm with you i don't know why because to me it, yeah I, I was just disappointed i was like oh another 10th doctor variant um it looks like they've used the body sculpt from the third doctor figure with the bow tie and painted it black and white face sculpt doesn't look that good um yeah i i'm I, yeah i hate to be negative but um i'm not excited about this at all and i love the i love the figures i, I normally buy them all um but i can't really find much enthusiasm for this but seems we're in the minority mate though because looking at the comments loads of people are like yeah i wanted this figure for ages it's really good blah 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 so you know great that there's people out there that want it because i want more doc two figures and so this one needs to sell to to get more release but yeah it's not it's not doing it for me either i have to be honest unless this is i am um, like an early prototype and wow. the actual figure might look okay i'm not sure but at the moment um i probably it's... would if someone said to you here you go you can have this for free i'd probably just give it back to you yeah it's it's not it, to be honest it's not so much the look because i'm sure in hand it'll hopefully look better it's more the fact it's just another blimmin 10th doctor variant i'd like to see some new figures do you know what i mean i'd like to see something for for the new series like we you know like that, a, that would be something to get excited about well i was trying to think of something actually that i was trying to think well like the moon it's, um what was the what's the thing called in time heist for the big eyes oh. it's obviously a bit it's, i mean even that's old hat now but i always thought that he'd make a great figure he would what's he called the thing in the chain to the red spacesuit. we're oh. so bad with names aren't we we are terrible um yeah listeners will know what i'm talking about um but he would have made a great figure but again it's already old hat but but i wanted something new is what i'm saying not not just another blimmin variant of a doctor that we've had so many variants of already you know yeah. but he's not as bad as the He's not as bad as the one in the B and M set. Have you seen the eyes on that thing? Yes. In the in the latest B and M set, um, you got the tenth Doctor with a Cyberman and a uh, Nash Devada, um, mm-hmm. and the face on that makes this one look like um, Madame Tussauds. <laughs> so you know, it, it's not as bad as that. I've got a picture of it somewhere that it just looks like it's somebody's startled him. I'll see if I can dig it out. <laughs> that alien in Time Heist, I think they just refer to it as the Teller. Oh, it's the Teller. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The yes. Teller. But, um, I mean, what other figures could we do? Think about, you know, perhaps something from this, the actual new series, you know, maybe a, um, what have we had in Series 9 that make a good figure? Um, they had Not a Shielder. We don't want a Shielder. <laughs> no, we had um, uh, the Scovox Blitzer, didn't we? That well, they did a th- yeah. They've done him, and actually, that was fairly decent considering the size of it. Yeah, um, um, that would have been a really cool one to have at a slightly larger size, a bit more detail. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, what, you talk about series nine. Well, I was just trying to think what we could have that's a bit different that we haven't had. You know, I mean, I'd like to see more classic stuff. That's what I would oh, love to see. Blimey, that would be I'd amazing. Love, I'd love like a Bessie. A Bessie car would be amazing because um, they've done a few third doctor figures what i would really love what i would snap up in an instant is if they did the classic console mm-hmm. i don't yeah. care if it's the you know the seventh the you know the tom baker one anything i would just i'd love a classic console i'd i'd, I'd pay a fortune for that character if you're listening yeah. well, i wouldn't pay a fortune but I'd, I'd buy it <laughs> i think um from the newer stuff who was that that guy i mean his character turned out to be a bit of a wasted opportunity but um who's the, the big scary dude in under was it under the lake 
before the flood. What was the the big monster thing? Oh yeah, yeah, good. the uh, Fisher King. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, he'd be good. He'd be pretty good. He'd be uh, good. Capaldi from that episode, they could, you know, that's a variant I wouldn't mind. The the ghost doctor floating down, mm-hmm. they could easily do that. Just you know, darken his eyes up a bit. That'd be quite cool. Um, there weren't many. I liked the things in the girl who died, but they did again. They were rubbish in the episode. But I liked the look of them. Those mm. big, bulky things that were in that. <laughs> Um, can't remember what they were called. Either. It shows how good the episodes were. I can't remember any of the names of them. <laughs> it was the creepy monster thing that floated around after the Doctor in um, in uh, Heaven Sent. Who was that? Oh, creepy... the veil. Was it the veil? Could be the veil. You yeah. know the thing in the mm-hmm. in the hood that just that yeah. was constantly after him. That'd be an easy one to do. That'd be cool. What about the thing that attacks Mel in the swimming pool in Paradise Towers? Oh, the yellow robot <laughs> thing. Be good, wouldn't it? Imagine that. Wow. Or a tet trap. I'd love it. I mean, I've got a daypole tet trap, but let's have a let's have a new one. That'd be good. <laughs> yeah. Missed opportunities. So yeah, end, en- endless missed opportunities. But we'll see. I think they're they're announcing some more stuff. I know they've just announced the Tenth Doctor console, um, which came out here in the UK ages ago mm-hmm. but apparently never got a us release um and that just got announced yesterday and the poor guys at uh, underground toys that do the twitter um they just got bombarded with so much negativity uh, in fact the website that you just mentioned that that's brilliant by the way what's it called the merchandise one doctor uh, who the doctor who site.co.uk fantastic website mm. at keeping up they actually removed it from their website because of all that people were starting having arguments and calling each other names and i was thinking really over an announcement i mean just because they were so disappointed they were like we've already had this and then people were like yeah but it's for the u.s market it's not for you why is it only for the u.s market and it's all kicking off and yeah so yes. not not a lot of happy fans out there at the minute mm. <laughs> fortunately yeah, so we'll see. I think there is more announcements to come. So who knows what we might get? Yes, mm. indeed. So our wallets are safe for now. Look at it that way. Uh, yeah, based on the quality of that one. Yeah, yeah. very safe. Very safe. So that's much. Uh, we're going to move on to our uh, review story. So Adam, what is it this week? I'm just frying a nice egg up as we get in some breakfast on the go. Um, no, it's uh, this week. It's the Twelfth Doctor story. Kill the moon. I think we'll find your alien. Back, 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 back with the door. A door. Here, a door. here. The door's locked. Come on, come on. There's no power to Doctor. Stay still. It's sensing movement. It can't see you. Fast movement. There must be another exit through there. Slowly. Slowly. Head to that exit. Kill the Moon. Kill the Moon. It's quite an adventurous title. It is. For a story. So this was out in October, the 4th of October. It originally went out in 2014. Mm. 
Wow. Part of series eight. It was written by Peter Harness and directed by Paul uh, Wilmshurst, overseen yeah. by the mothball, <laughs> as usual. Yeah. Uh, and it's a story is pretty much this. Um, uh, the Doctor and Clara and... Courtney. Uh, Courtney, that's it. Um, arrive on the moon in the year 2049. And there's a problem with the moon, um, which takes the Doctor a while to figure out. So they bump into some astronauts, if you can call them that, who land on the moon to detonate a load of nuclear bombs because um, the moon is changing uh, its mass, which causes um, really bad stuff to happen on Earth. So there's like big tidal waves and bad stuff's happening. So their answer is to blow it out of the sky with some nuclear bombs. But the Doctor and Clara run into a bit of a moral dilemma, um, which the Doctor very swiftly scarpers off to leave that moral dilemma with Clara, one of the astronauts, and Courtney. Uh, saves them at the last minute. Turns out that the moon is an egg. The creature hatches, lays another egg. The moon's back where it was. Let's move on to scores. <laughs> um, right, what do, you, what do you think on on this one from from series eight, Adam? Well, well, um, I actually enjoyed this when it was first shown, and I didn't understand the hate for it at all. I thought, well, that's good. It's quite a good episode. Yes, there's a couple of major issues with it which we'll get into but i thought yeah it's not that bad um rewatched it yesterday uh still quite enjoyed it actually okay she quite liked this episode but as i said there are a couple of major major things with <laughs> the story which just ruin it basically so i find it an enjoyable watch if i don't think too hard about it yeah but, um but yeah, there's a couple of things in there, which I'm sure you know what they are, but we'll talk about, which just are ridiculous. Right. And um, <laughs> and it's a shame, actually. But one thing that I think really, really makes this episode good, um, without jumping the gun, is Peter Capaldi. Just is phenomenal in this episode. Yeah. And that's why I enjoy watching it. But um, as for the story itself, on a rewatch... Um, it really does have a lot of issues. So, yeah, a real mixed bag, I suppose, really. So enjoyable to watch, but but when you analyse it, it's, it's, it's got problems. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think of it. What about you? Mm -hmm. um, yes, I thought that um, while it's not a, a great episode, um, I didn't think that it was that bad, that mm. it deserved the buckets full of hatred towards it. Because um, it is a it is a fairly good watch, especially the first two thirds of it. Yes, or the yeah, first absolutely. Half, yeah. Um, it's very good, and like you say, Capaldi is just brilliant as the He's Doctor there. in this one. Yeah. Um, the main thing that lets it down for me is once again the moth has turned it into a Clara story. Mm -hmm. That was the main thing that because I had forgotten about it because I hadn't seen it in so long. I watched it this morning, in fact, before we started recording. Mm. And I had forgotten that, I think it's about two-thirds of the way through, um, it, it got, it, it's, it's not a story of two halves, it's a story of two-thirds and a third. Because what happens is it's all about the Doctor um, 
trying to figure out what's going on and he's got that really great kind of classic doctorness about him in this one where he's very short with people quite grumpy he's a bit heartnellish mm-hmm. um you know and um we've got that good sort of detective side of things as well where he's trying to figure out it all starts with the gravity on the moon with the yo-yo when he's trying to figure out what's going on um yeah. and then we have all that and then he the attack with the little spidery bacteria th- bacteria things and all that stuff and then two-thirds of the way through he just disappears and then surprise surprise thank you mr moffat it's all about clara for the last mm. third of the episode like literally all about clara yeah so yep. when i got to that point the, the bit in my brain just sort of clicked on it was like oh yes now i remember why i didn't like it as much when i originally saw it because it's all about clara yeah. So it's great up to that point. Well, I wouldn't say great, sorry. It's fairly good up to that point. And then it just takes a nosedive and just crashes and burns and is just terrible. The last third, the final act of the story, is just absolutely shocking. <laughs> yeah. I, I must admit I agree with, with, with a lot of that, uh, mate, because I I was really like you, I haven't watched this one for a long, long time. Um but I was really pulled into the story for, mm-hmm. like you said, the first sort of half of it or whatever. I was sat there thinking, this is this is quite good. Why why does this get so much hate? And yeah, it does flip, mm-hmm. um, I think, like you said, as soon as the Doctor leaves uh, and the actual resolution of the, the egg. Um, <laughs> I mean, the egg thing is just my biggest problem with it. You know, the fact that the, the moon is an egg with this thing living <laughs> inside it that hatches and then lays another egg in exactly the same place, is, is absolutely ridiculous. And, and it completely ruins what I thought was was shaping up to be quite a good episode. There's some good suspense going on in it with the spiders. I hate spiders. So for me, I find this one quite creepy for that first half. I'm actually yeah. sat there going, oh, my God, because it's creeping around. And there's some really good – I think they held back on the horror, actually, because there's mm-hmm. some really quick shots of it with its fangs and – you know, I, th- I think they could have really let rip actually with with some yeah. of the horror in this. Um, they sort of they do to an extent for the first half, don't they? It does. It's quite creepy when they're locked in the room with them, and there's that bit yeah. where Courtney's trapped in a room with a spider and all that. But um, a bit like that scene actually with her, it's a real great build up, and it's just instantly ruined by the resolution because in that scene she just kills it with some some uh, some repellent humor. spray. Yeah. And, and it's humor. just like, oh, well, that's just killed that scene dead. Um, and that's how I feel about the episode. Such a good build up. And I, as I said, I found Capaldi absolutely compelling in it. I just, he was just absolutely carrying this episode because I'd just forgotten how good he was in it. I thought Capaldi didn't start to shine till sort of mummy on the Orn Express and, and Flatline. That's when I really started to, to love Capaldi. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, he's uh, amazing in it in, in the terms of like, you said just just carrying the story, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a shame. I, I, I think there was some potential here. It just totally, totally loses its way. Um, but I don't think it's I don't think it's the worst episode. I don't think it deserves the hate it gets. Because like I said, I found it perfectly watchable. Mm. Like I you know, if you compare this to, to absolute drivel like in the forest of the night, I can't even sit through that. I mean, I literally can't sit through in, in the forest of the night on a rewatch. But at least with this, I was quite engaged with it. And I think a lot yeah. of that was down to Capaldi. But but also, I did like all the stuff on the moon. 
I thought it looked visually amazing. Yes. Um, it's filmed yep. in Lanzarote, isn't it? I thought they'd really, the effects look quite good for a change because some of the effects in Series 8 are dodgy. They obviously threw some money into this. So I thought it looked really good. It did keep my attention for quite some time. But but yeah, as soon as they start doing the whole dilemma decision thing and the Doctor just nips off, I was like, oh dear. Because mm-hmm. it just turns into, yeah, it just turns into the Clara show once again, which we've had so many times. Um, and it's a shame, I think. It just didn't didn't need that at all. But it does, I, mm, again, I don't want to jump the gun. It does lead up to a very, very good scene between the Doctor and Clara at the end, which, again, got totally thrown away the next episode. But obviously we'll come on to that later on. But yeah, yeah but it did it did keep me did keep me enthralled. I have to say I did find it. I was quite into the story yeah. for the most part. There were, that's, that's the thing that I found with it as well is that the story part of it, um, well, if, if you can forgive the, some of the story set up. So one of the things that um, really sort of gets my back up about it is this idea that um, Peter Harness had that in the year 2049, the human race had stopped exploring space travel, mm. which is, comp- yeah. you know, the, oppo- the opposite is true. Mm. Um, so why that was, that's the first thing that I thought, okay, they, they've gone down that route because it's necessary for the story because mm. um, the astronauts that, because they, I thought that was quite clever when, they thought they'd landed on the moon, but in actual fact, they'd landed inside the space shuttle um, at the beginning. So I thought that yeah, was yeah. that was that's pretty cool. Um, and then when they bump into these astronauts and um, they start talking about um, why they're there, and she explains that um, that you know they're bas- on a suicide mission. Yeah. So basically, um, and she mentions that the the human race just hasn't got any more interest in exploring outer space. Or I think the doctor says that, or she says it in their conversation, one of the two. Mm. And I thought that was just ridiculous because the opposite is true. You know, we are so desperate to, to travel space and stars and be like Patrick Stewart in the, uh, the enterprise. Am I saying that right? Yeah. In the enterprise. The card in yeah. the enterprise. Um, mm. So yeah, I, I, that bit really just sort of, I was like, no, no, no. You know, why would, why would you think that, mm. you know, as, and I can only blame Peter Harness for that, the writer, mm. you know, if, if you're sitting there going to write a you know, story about being on the moon in the future, you, you know, the, the human race would not just say, you know, I've had enough. <laughs> yeah. We're done. We're done that one. We ticked that box. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. It is, it is a bit silly. I yeah. do like that scene though, with the doctor at the yo-yo. In that, when he's when in that that scene you're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, when there's because she just instantly wants to kill him, and he's like, uh, "Well, you can try, but I'm going to regenerate." And I don't know how many times I could regenerate over and over again, but go for it. And I thought <laughs> I thought that made for a great scene, and I love the fact he's got the fourth Doctor's. Well, he's got the yo-yo, and he's doing what the fourth Doctor does in Ark in Space, isn't it? I thought, ah, oh, it's a really nice little throwback because yeah. that's again love all these little things that Capaldi's Doctor did mm-hmm. in Series Eight, which we seem to have completely lost in series nine but yeah but i I like yeah i I get what you're saying it's a it's a silly he's trying to predict the future which you should never 
do <laughs> you That's know because yeah. you're always it's always gonna when you get to when they get to 2049 if they're still watching this episode then they're going to be thinking, well, that's a bit silly, isn't it? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, get, I get what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, um, and it's definitely one of those stories where um, you have to go with the story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> From start yeah, to definitely. finish. Because um, yeah. like I said, that, that sort of put my back up a bit because it's so ridiculous. But then when you think about it, the, the thought that the moon has been an egg um, and the, the creature inside is now ready to hatch out of the egg, um, and it lays an egg of identical size, but in the creature exactly the same place. in the same place. But the creature yeah. itself is not as big as what the egg, the new moon, is. Mm. Um, and uh, it's weird because that scene at the end where they're on the beach, the the egg has been disintegrated, and the creature's flown off. And there's about three minutes where they're looking up at a blank sky. Yeah, I know. And the creature's yeah. gone. You know, it's it's scarpered. But then all of a sudden, oh, in about a nanosecond, it's laid a new egg <laughs> mm. in the same size as what the previous one was. And that's also now flown up. You know, it's flown away again in a blink of an eye. <laughs> yeah. So it's one of those stories where you absolutely have to just go with <laughs> what, they, what they're putting in front of your eyes, basically. It's ridiculous. I can't quite get over it in terms of it does ruin it for me because I've kind of gone with it up until this point. You know, I've kind of I've got on board with what they're trying to do. But, yeah, it does the resolution. I can't quite forgive it Mm -hmm. as much as I want to. I remember Peter Capaldi sticking up for this um, when I went to see an audience with um, Mark Gattis and he was on there. He he was sort of um, taking questions for the audience. I can't remember what they asked. Peter's answer to this was, well, if you're going to believe in a in an old man traveling around time and space in a police box, then I think you've got to open up your mind to, you know, if you're going to believe that, then you may as well believe the moon's an egg or something like that. And I That's thought, right. oh, yeah. mm, I get what you're saying, Peter, but I think, I don't know, there are sort of boundaries, you know, how far can you stretch your... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not tolerance, but how far can you stretch the boundaries of realism or whatever? Um, I get what he's saying. You know I mean, you, the whole of Doctor Who, you, if you start to analyse it, it completely falls apart. So he's basically saying, if you're going to do that with the moon being an egg, you may as well not believe in any of it. But I don't know. For me, in, in story terms, it just ruined it. I was just like, well, that's laughable. Yeah. You know, it's just... It's like we've got to tie the episode up. How are we going to do it? Oh, I know. It lays an egg. There you go. We're back. It's like reset. We're back to mm-hmm. square one. All is well. You know, it was, yeah, it's a bit silly. Yeah. And you can you could buy into that theory. I mean, fair play to Peter for trying to sort of diffuse the, um, mm-hmm. you know, the naysayers in the audience and stuff like that. But And that would hold some water if Doctor Who was set in a fictional universe. Mm. But... You know, it's meant to be set in our universe, not in, you know, specifically our time, but in our universe. So, you know, the laws of things like physics and, you know, general sort of scientific stuff should apply, unless we're talking about some sort of alien thing. But, you know, that's... But did, did they need the egg thing? Because that's the thing. I mean, we've got these spiders and that, and they create quite a good threat for like you said for the first part of the episode and then the second part is all about this dilemma and um that 
they're in a way they're trying to deal with quite an uncomfortable subject, aren't they? Really, which is abortion. There's no two ways around it. It even says it on the button that she presses. The the sort of whole story in the second half is a metaphor for that, mm-hmm. which yes. is quite um, uncomfortable ground for Doctor Who, I think. Um, I mean, it's it's subtle enough that you don't have to really think about it, but it's also very much there in what they're saying, isn't it? I mean, as I yeah. said, even when she presses the button, it's, so that in itself may, is, is quite an unusual move for Doctor Who, I think. Yes, to, to, to put yeah. that out there, um, and it doesn't. Um, I mean, that, the 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 crux of the story really is, yeah, it's that moral question, isn't it? Mm, Whether it's yeah. right to terminate a life before it's had the opportunity to to live, you know. Yeah, as, yeah. you know, as it as you say, it boils down to you know, is abortion right or wrong? Yeah, that's uh, clearly what was in the writer's mind when he when he yeah. he wrote that. Yeah, um, and the and it boils down to. Um, trying to ask that question, but on a larger scale, literally. So it's asking mm-hmm. the the whole population of the planet: Do we kill it oh. or do we let it live? You know. So keep your lights on if it's. My a, goodness, you've just reminded me <laughs> of the other part that really, really does yeah. not sit well with me. So that that whole idea, like we all go to bed at the same time, and you know that is is ludicrous that well, she asked the whole. You know, leave your light on if you agree. Turn it off if you don't. And that just does not work at all. Well, let, let's leave that bit just for a few minutes because right. that it's at that point where the story had taken a bit of a, a nosedive. A nosedive. So let's talk about some stuff leading up to that point that is actually right. very good. So yeah, okay. the yeah. spider creatures, which are not actually spiders, are they? They're they're bacteria that because mm-hmm. within the the moon it's a living organism, and so you know to accompany that. There are going to be germs that evolve into bacterial life forms and all that stuff, and they just happen to have this form that looked like spiders. Yes. Now I thought these were great. I thought these were one of the best parts of the story. Yeah. Because the effects were brilliant for these. Um, they looked good, and as someone yeah. who hates spiders, I don't know about you. What are you like with spiders? I don't. I don't mind them. Yeah, uh, you're a bit of a bit more manly, but <laughs> no, I uh, I hate spiders. So for me, they work to treat. I, I every yeah. time I could, it's the sound effects and everything, and scuttling along. I was like, oh no, thank you. Yeah. yeah. So I thought I thought the 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 creature effects for the spiders were great. I thought they looked really good, and like you said, the sound effects when you hear them, you know, scuttling around and all that stuff, really good. And it's another. It, it had another lean towards the alien films as well. Mm, and we, yeah. which we've seen a couple of times with who haven't we over the years where they've well i think it was um was it one of the christmas specials where they explicitly state that it's like alien you know with the face hugger things and yeah was that last christmas Ooh. yeah the face hugger thing. Yep. yeah um so doctor who does like a bit of that sort of alien vibe and this was very much like that with dark dark uh, corridors you can't see up front exactly what it is you can just hear it and it's very suspenseful it's like <gasps> something's coming yeah. something's coming it's going to be great um so it very much had that alien vibe for some of it um and it was great because the there was a little bit of action in there the suspense was really good um and uh yeah i just loved the effects like there's a bit where you see it coming through the corridor mm. and the camera sort of does this quick zoom on it and it sort of you know, rears its sort of front legs up and you see its mouth open and this sort of bright red light, you know, on its 
face and stuff. It looks really good. It does. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. But then as the story progresses, we find out that they're just nothing really. You know, they're not of any significance. They're just mm. um, germs, you know, living, you know, just under the surface because of the big alien uh, inside the egg or the moon. Um, but I did think that they were a great addition. They provided really good suspense for the first Yeah, I half. thought so, yeah, because it's quite claustrophobic, isn't it, which is good they're, when they're in the base and they're trapped. Mm. Yeah, no, I thought the spiders worked really well. Um, I thought, yeah, I agree with you. They looked great. Mm-hmm. Um, the the effects were good on them. Um, that, that's what I was saying. I don't know if we even needed that whole moon is an egg thing. We could have just had the spiders. I don't know. I suppose it makes it good because then it's a bit of a doppelganger. They're not the main enemy sort of thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, but no, they they certainly worked a lot better than than the egg for yeah. me. Yeah. So I agree with you. Very, they were good. Yeah. And um, like you said earlier at the beginning that the story looks fantastic so the scenes where mm. um they've gone outside of the ship and they're walking across the the lunar landscape you know it just looks so good it does really really good and they've got the color timing perfect as well it's got that mm. really sort of desaturated um because if you've ever um uh, try to like identify I'm, I'm, this is not going to be relevant to you mate but if you've ever tried to identify colors at night um it's it everything doesn't look the same you know the i assume the color spectrum that's rebounded off the moon it has been changed than what you see during the daylight and the sunlight so reds mm. look quite browny and you know blues look you know a lot darker so they've got like the color like, it just looks very almost black and white with the exception of the orange spacesuits everything looks mm. almost black and white and they've got that bang on it's a beautiful looking episode, actually. It, it is. It, yeah. It's it's um. So what are we? Two years old now. So it stands up really well. I was actually quite surprised how epic mm-hmm. in style it was because I, you know, I, I haven't watched this for so long. So I was just sat there thinking they've really gone to town with this one. It, it looks brilliant. I don't think there's any, you know, there's, I don't think there's any bit in it where it looks a bit dodgy. Like sometimes mm-hmm. we get, you might, you know, the planet looks amazing. The, the sort of effects of the spaceship or rocket, whatever it is, looks good. I suppose the only bit might be a bit laughable was when it falls over the cliff edge. Because I was all I could picture was poor old Courtney sat in the TARDIS, <laughs> you know, falling, you know, way here we go. Although I, sometimes the TARDIS moves and sometimes it doesn't, depending on who's writing the story, I think, in terms of it. You know, sometimes there's this gravity thing with the TARDIS where, you know, it doesn't move inside and stuff. But yeah, but no, overall, fantastically made episode in Brilliant. terms of the visuals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've really done a good job. Yeah, very, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, I mean, just to finish off on sort of story stuff, yeah. um, the only, so we have this sort of moral dilemma, like we said about, you know, asking the the, the population to choose, you know, to kill it or to let it live and stuff like that. What yeah. did you think about the um, the decision that was made? Because it was fairly unanimous. It wasn't like there was a city there that left its light on or whatever. Literally, the whole planet just went into darkness as if to say, mm. you know, yes, you know, kill it. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, that's probably what we would do <laughs> if we were given that choice, knowing the human race. Um, I, To be honest with you, I, I just can't get my head around that, that's, that idea. That it doesn't work. Um, but... Um, I think that the problem is when you write a story like this, they've kind of backed themselves into a corner, haven't they? 
if you know what I mean. Where yep. can you go with that mm-hmm. that thing? Um, uh, it's a really hard resolution to to write because you've just, as I said, the, the the writer has just backed himself into a corner. I don't really see any sort of win win situation uh, with this. So. Yeah. But no, I, I, I don't like that idea of leaving the lights on to <laughs> say your decision because it just does not work at all. Yeah. If you think about it in terms of reality, like, you know, the whole world is not awake and asleep at the same time to, to do that for a start. Uh, and also it just wouldn't happen. You wouldn't just sit in darkness for a day to make a vote. And <laughs> and also they don't even know what they're really talking about. I know she does this quick, quick blurb to camera. But are you assuming that everybody at that exact moment has watched that? And, and right, okay, I'm just going to go to the light switch now. And I don't know, the whole idea just doesn't work for me mm-hmm. in, in terms of, of storytelling, really. It just seems like a quick resolution to, to move the story on. Yes, it's, uh, it does seem a bit um, forced, like they have to they have to put it in there because there's no other way of, like you say, they're backed into a corner a little bit, so they have to... Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I I thought that they, if they'd have done it a bit more, this is going to be very difficult to use this word, but if they'd have done it a bit more realistic, where, um, you know, there was, uh, you know, portions of the planet still with the lights on and stuff like that, and it was just like a majority vote. But the fact that you see like the entire world just go into darkness, yeah, you know, I think I find it very unlikely that all the billions of people on the planet would all unanimously at the same time or within a few seconds of each other start, you know, it's just a bit. Yeah. It's a bit silly. It is a bit silly. It's um, stretching the rounds of reality just a bit too far, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And also, um, yeah, like I said, this is the bit in the story where it's sort of all the sort of the keys, you know, to the, to the mission have all been handed over to Clara at this point. So the doctors, it was quite, he was, he sort of done the off very sharpish, didn't he? Mm. When he got to that point where, um, cause I, a lot of people said at the time that they thought that the doctor sort of ran away because the, you know, it was all getting too much. Sort of the pressure was getting too much for him. And, you know, you know, it was a bit of a cowardly thing to do, but I don't think that was the writer's intent. I think it was okay. Literally as the doctor said that it wasn't his decision to make. But because that Capaldi was playing the Doctor at this time in a very um, Hartnell-esque, kind of brash, almost um, unforgiving manner, you know, that was just the way that which, you know, his performance came across. So it, I thought it was quite funny where, you know, he's just like, I'm, I'm out of here. You know, you guys are on your own. It's your planet. It's your moon. Do what you will. Deal with it. Deal with it. Yeah. So I know Clara is obviously extremely upset by this, very angry, but... Um, the doctor does say earlier on in the story that, you know, these fixed moments in time are sort of surrounded by these gray areas where the, the, the moments leading up to it will decide the outcome. And, uh, he doesn't want to be involved in that bit. So I, I, yeah. I loved all that. I, that's, I think that's one of the reasons I enjoyed this episode so much as I did is because I loved those bits where Capaldi was just <laughs> so strong and he was saying, you know, this is, this is your planet, you know, you do what you want. Yeah. You know, you make the decision. I thought it was brilliant. I, I wrote down the little quote, which was, he says, there's little moments where big things are decided. And I thought it's just the way he delivered it and everything was, was brilliant. And yeah. so, yeah, so that, that's a great scene. I like the, see, this is what I love about series eight Capaldi. He's so unpredictable. He just does the off. 
go on, get on with it. Yeah. I mean, like you said, Clara's mortified, isn't she? Yeah. Um, and that does come full circle, obviously, because then she sort of <laughs> says to him in that big bust up at the end, you know, yeah. you walk our, you, what she say? You walk our, on our planet, you breathe our air. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. So I, for me, that was what was quite strong about this episode. That's, that's, I think that was some good stuff going on there. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that one of the reasons this gets so much hate is because people mainly remember the the lights going off and the egg, mm-hmm. and it's just too much for them. They're just like, oh, what a load of rubbish. It's but there that, is some yeah. good stuff going on, like this stuff. Yeah, it's the that, doctor. that last third of the story. That's what I think turns a lot of people away. It's um, I think that's what people remember, isn't it? When you say kill the moon, they're like, oh no, that's that rubbish episode with the egg. Yeah. But they forget about there is some good stuff in here, like you know, like that. There is Capaldi and Clara. Yeah, there's some mm. great stuff. Yeah. Um. Okay, so let's talk about some characters then. So the astronauts yeah. that land, um, the two guys, they have what a line each or a couple of lines each, and <laughs> yeah, and um, and, and one of them's um, I don't know how to say his name, Tony Tony Sober, isn't it? Tony Sober, who's um, he's been in Doctor a couple of times. He was in Destiny of the Daleks, and he also pops up in Dragonfire. Um, so it was really nice when he pops up in there. She's like, oh, I know him. Um, and he gets one blimmin' line. That's and it. it's like, yeah, it's just another example of Doctor Who getting in a good little guest character and doing absolutely nothing with them. Um, yeah. But it's it's great to see Tony in it because I was just like, oh, I forgot he was in this. I like him. Um, but yeah, he gets one line. And I think, who's the other guy? I don't even know his name in it. He, he, does, he gets eaten quite early on, doesn't he? Henry. Henry, Henry, yeah. yeah. Um, In terms of performance, although these guys don't get a lot to do, um, I think they're quite good, don't you? I think they sort of, acting-wise, like Tony looks pretty, I was watching him quite closely. (laughs) I think he does come across as pretty scared now at the beginning. I I thought, um, my thinking was, yeah, Tony knows he's only got one line, but he's he's making his presence felt in this scene. Mm. You know, I thought they were quite good in their performance, but yeah, they don't get a lot. They don't, do they? New, new, um, and then we have the, I guess she's the leader of those three, um, Ludwig, I think her name is, uh, Ludwig, Herm- yeah, Hermione Norris. Um, she was quite good. I thought she was. You didn't see a smile on her face throughout the entire story, so she was very much in the moment. She's, um, uh, she was. I thought she was quite good at. Um, bringing up the harsh reality of the, 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 you know, the decisions that they had to make. She was very much a case of, you know, sometimes in life you've got to make tough decisions. No one's going to like them sometimes, but you know, you've got to do it. So she was very much the, yeah, let's kill the moon. Wasn't she? She was the one that, you know, unless, cause she started off the, the trigger, didn't she? The countdown and, yeah, you know, and she, I think in a roundabout way, she was saying, unless you or somebody else gives me a, you know, gives us a good reason to stop it. You know, it's it's goodbye moon. Mm. I I thought she was good. I couldn't in my head. I couldn't help but compare her to the character that's in Waters of Mars. Waters of Mars, yes, because she's yep. also a very strong female character in this situation. You know, in a situation like this. So, in the back of my head, I was sort of comparing it to her. Um, but I did think um, I did think she was good. Yeah, Hermione, Hermione Norris. Hermione um, Norris, as, Hermione, in, yeah. as in Harry Potter, Hermione. That's Granger. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I thought she she was very good in the part. She. She came across as that. That's I think the character we needed in terms of she was very definite in her decision. Like Clara was, 
waving, oh, I don't know, and crying, and Courtney was chipping in her a bit. Um, but I thought with uh, Ludwig, she was just very, no, you know, it's a human race, all the creature. So yeah, yeah. it's black and white to me. And uh, no, I thought she was pretty decent, actually. Yeah. Is she quite well known? Because I remember people being a bit excited that she was going to be a Doctor Who, and I didn't really know who she was. I still don't really know who she is, but is she a bit of a name? Uh, she yeah, she is, yeah. Oh. She's... um. I think she's mainly known in, on UK TV. She's in Cold Feet. Oh, okay, right, right. Because I don't watch that, but I knew that people were were quite excited she was going to be in Doctor Two at the time. But I, yeah, I just didn't know who she was. But yeah, she was also no, in Spooks good. as well. Oh, um, Spooks, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So she's been, well, she's been in loads of things, but um, I think those are the two known sort of UK stuff that she's been in. Yeah, um, but uh, she's pretty good, I thought. Yeah, she's pretty good. Um, Courtney, <laughs> Courtney, Courtney, Ellis George. George. Um, She's mm-hmm. up and down for me. I mean, most of all, um, I think she's not a very, I'm, I hate to say this about sort of um, younger actors, um, but I just don't think she's very good as, as, a, as an actor, really. She's, oh, I don't know, she's just not that great. And I hate saying that because, you know, she's quite young still, but um, I just didn't think she's very, I just don't think she's very good. Um, yeah. She has these little tiny little moments. Just moments, her, yeah. yeah. Um, but she's quite annoying. I think it's just because she's quite annoying in the way that she plays this character. Mm. Um, yeah. But well, she's written quite annoying, isn't she? Again, they've done that thing of making the character, you know, a bratty. Why do they always do that? Why do they always have to be a sulky teenager? That's, I mean, only Courtney Woods could go to the moon and, and sit there and say, I'm bored. It's like you're on the blimmin' moon, girl. Well, that's when she's in the TARDIS. I know. She's in the TARDIS. She's got loads to explore. She's a, no, you know, she just sits there. I just thought, but I think that's down to the writing, mate. Because I, I kept thinking most of the time, you know, why is Courtney in this story? Because mm-hmm. what... Obviously, you know, the, the, it's almost as if I think I think this is the mothball again. Has said to him, right, you've got uh, these. This is what you've got to have in the story. Uh, Courtney's got to go on a trip um, because I just kept thinking she's clearly by that point when she's written to just sit in the TARDIS, mm-hmm. he can't think of anything to do with the character. So he's just like, right, we'll just you're getting scared, so we'll just put you in the TARDIS because there is no point to her being there really. She doesn't add anything to it, and I'm not blaming Ellis George for this. I'm just, you know, down to the writing. I don't just don't know why she was included in the story. Um, the only, the only thing I will say that I do like about it is that it is nice to see a character going on an adventure with Doctor and just she gets so scared. She's just like, no, 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 I want to go home. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not for me. You guys, you want to go off of these adventures, fine. But I've, no, this is because we don't see that very often, and I think quite a lot of people might feel like that if they went out with the doctor and Clara. So I, that's the only thing I can really, yeah, you know, pull from it is that it's quite nice to see a character going out, you know, almost insisting on being going on an adventure and then thinking, Oh, a bit like going on a roller coaster and getting halfway through the ride and thinking, I want to get off. You know, so that's, that's quite good to see. That is. But, yeah. Um, Otherwise I don't know why she was there really. She's sort of surplus to requirement. She's just there because yeah. I think she's there because the doctor's like, you know, um, you want to feel special. How about being the first girl on the moon kind of thing? Mm. Yeah. Cause we had that whole thing with Clara, you know, banging on at the doctor about you've told her she's not special. And all <laughs> that, that was stuff. funny. Um, 
There's so, some good banter between the Doctor and Courtney, though, don't you think? I, yes, I like all good. the stuff. It's like, well, how old are you? You must be, what, 35? Or <laughs> it's a great banter, I think, between the two of them. Yeah. Uh, she's just, unfortunately, a little bit annoying at times. Yeah. But, but, you know, she's not the worst thing that's been, in terms of sort of child actors, she's not the worst that we've seen. No, I mean, she does have yeah. her moments. Like you said, there are, she's sort of a bit annoying at the start. And then I think she's sort of okay in the middle of the episode. And then, then she kind of just gets shoved to the TARDIS and, doesn't do anything so yeah yeah it's not really her fault but she's she's okay like you said we've seen a lot worse yeah true <laughs> so you yeah. know um, but she does have a couple of nice little moments yeah yeah um the twin dilemma <clears throat> right ah, danny pink good grief danny pink's Where in it for a bit from? Uh, danny pink's in it for a bit oh danny pink and he always talks like this don't he like once oh, again danny once pink. again it's a george lucas moment with them oh, too wooden just no chemistry there whatsoever yeah it's just come on guys i i I, i'm fine it's almost um you know shocking to believe that you know the various directors that have worked on this series um you know didn't just bang their heads together you know and just say right i'm going to stop everything now can we get moffat in here or somebody (laughs) to either rewrite this bit or can we get these two on a Butlins weekend to, you know, gel and whatever, get some chemistry going because this just ain't working. I'm sorry. No. I cannot film this and put it out because it just ain't working. The two of you are just dreadful together. Yeah. They must have had, you know, three or four different directors direct various scenes with these two. And it's just so depressing to watch. No, oh, no. It literally is like, ugh. The moth's gone, George, George, I need some help here. <laughs> and he's like, what you want to do is write as wooden as possible to get terrible reviews, and then a year later, everyone will love it. <laughs> but, you know, it's, I just can't get my head around these two. Uh, he's just such a wet blanket the whole he time. He is, isn't he? He's like banging on about, oh, I've seen that face before. Yeah. Um, the only thing is, he does get a good. He does get one good line, something about um, you never finish with someone if you're still angry with them. And I thought, well, that's I like that line because that's, that's quite true. It's quite that's, true. Isn't I it? can yeah. relate to that. Yeah. But um, but but yeah, yeah, he's cardboard. He's yeah. just pure cardboard. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to be fair, he. They just drag him in for the end scene. I mean, maybe <laughs> the actor was thinking, what? He probably was looking at the script each week, thinking, right, so. They go on this adventure. I come in at the end, um, give, give her, her a, a hug. hug. Yeah. <laughs> That's me. It's, it's a very easy day on set, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but uh, yeah, not, not a fan of Danny. Again, he just wasn't written very well, was no. he? And um, he has these okay little moments. He can be quite funny. Um, I think in The Caretaker, he had a couple of funny little bits. And yeah, yeah. Some yeah. other bits, but it's just these more serious scenes that he has with Clara. You know, the two of them together, it's just like watching two i don't know it's like watching two rocks in the garden you know next to each other it's like i just have no emotional attachment to it whatsoever because they're just so wooden i uh, think that is the thing you don't care about them do you no, i think that's it no. you don't it's not um it's not like you think ah oh, is good old danny he'll <laughs> he'll sort it out you just it's more of like oh god is danny it, you know yeah you just don't care about the characters together no if you think about how mickey was with rose at some points Mm. You know, and if you think about how he was with, um, uh, yeah, so you, once, um, even when Mickey and Rose were together, supposedly as boyfriend and girlfriend in series one, mm. um, watching them two together, having those quite, 
nice little conversations and stuff wasn't wooden like this. No, it wasn't at all. It was, you know, it was a lot more engaging and, you well, know, we cared about um, Mickey, didn't whole, we? I, said, well, I think because he, we felt empathy for him for the way that Rose treated him. We kind of liked Mickey, but yeah. with Danny, there's just no attachment at all. He keeps banging on about something that he did in his past, which eventually gets rolled out at the end of this series. And even that turns out to be shoehorned in. So yeah. there's just no connection with him. No, not at all. So he pops up, but yeah, pretty useless. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Clara then, because yeah. she, you know, she has quite a, a, there's a couple of significant scenes mm-hmm. that she's in. So the first one is um, the bit where the doctor's buggered off. Yeah. And she's there sort of holding the torch. And along with Ludwig, she has to make that epic decision, um, which she still can't make, mm-hmm. um, which you kind of can see. It's quite of a, it's quite a big one to make, um, whether you blow the moon up with nuclear bombs and thus saving the human race or not. Um, so you can kind of see from her point of view there the pressure. Mm-hmm. And then she consults the human race in that lights on and off thing. Um, so that's quite a big scene, you know, because she's very angry at the doctor and he just mm-hmm. does the off and she's very upset. And then between the two of them, they have to decide. So that's quite good. And then the other one is near the end where she's in the, the TARDIS with a doctor and she's a very, very angry Yes. You yeah. know, the, the one line that I did like is, I'll smack you so hard you'll regenerate. Good line. Yeah, really good so line. So that was a great line, yeah. Um, so she's Don't very, you ever tell me to take the stabilizers off. Yeah. I thought it was brilliant. Some really good stuff going on there, actually. Yeah. So mm. that if you if you look at that scene independently, if you extract it out of the story, that's a really good scene. Really mm. good stuff between, because Capaldi very much oh it's a great scene he's still playing the unemotional card you know he's Mm. not really too bothered even with clara you know really shouting at him and i'm unhappy and you've done this and don't ever do that again and just leave just go he's still not that bothered really is he he's still very much um yeah whatever yeah i think this is why i prefer clara in series eight and nine because i'd really i i am not a fan of the clara character at all because she just does my head in with her smugness <laughs> and her know-it-all attitude. And I think the reason I like her better in these uh, episodes is because with Capaldi's Doctor, he just has none of it. He and just I'm puts just her in sat a place, there thinking, yeah. Yeah, yeah. good. Because with Matt's Doctor, he was so she was so – she used to just sort of walk all over, mm-hmm. you know, Matt's Doctor, didn't, didn't she? And it was all like, oh, Clara, yeah, whatever you say, Clara. Whereas Capaldi's Doctor is just like – like I said, I'm taking the stabilizers off. Stand, you know, grow up, girl, sort of thing. It's just like you said, very much more like Hartnell. Yeah. You know, it just takes none of it, and it works so much better because a it puts Clara in her place, but also it brings up Jenna Coleman's performance because she has to, mm-hmm. you know, step up to the plate against Capaldi's brilliant acting. So um, I kind of, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say I like Clara uh, in this, but I, I think she. I think Jenna Coleman gives a good performance in it. Um, certainly, she wins me over more with Capaldi's Doctor, let's put it that way. Yeah. yeah. That scene in the TARDIS at the end with them arguing is brilliant. They're both they're both absolutely yeah. superb in that end scene. Um, they are properly, like, you know, you can just feel like they, they have properly had a bust-up. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, such a shame that 
in the next episode that's just completely forgotten and they're on the, the next adventure but um but it's a great scene that and one again i'd kind of forgotten about so when we got to it i was just like this is brilliant yeah you know i'm loving this yeah, it's great yeah and like i said if you extract that scene on its own it's fantastic it's, it's really brilliant mm. however because of because it's weighted in clara's favor if you like mm. it just carries on that whole thing that because one of the things that i've you and i and probably lots of who fans have never really been on board with is it the show is meant to be the doctor is saving the day and there's absolutely nothing wrong with now and then writing a story that focuses more on the companions, mm. you know, and them doing more than the doctor and the outcome is a result of their work or their decisions or whatever. But I find that with Clara, and I'm sure this is the Moffat, you know, the Moff's fault is that it's always, there's such a massive amount of, of, of story that's transferred over to it being about Clara and not yeah. about the doctor. Um, and in this episode, it, it, I think this episode really shows that just explicitly where the doctor literally says goodbye. Hmm. I'm now passing the responsibility over to you. I'll see you later. And if that had been sort of a one-off, that would have been brilliant, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah. If that, if that had been, you know, like you said, if, if it had all been the doctor up to this point and then we got an episode where the doctor, you know, does one and leaves it to it, that would have been great because we were like, oh, we haven't seen this before. The doctor's, you know, he's really unpredictable. He's left, you know, he's, he's put it down to the companion. This is a, this is a good twist. Mm -hmm. But because we've seen it so many times, it just doesn't have any effect at all, really. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, you and I said the same thing recently when we reviewed the rings of akaten yes yeah, where, yeah you know it all of a sudden it's up to clara again mm. you know to save the day and we see it here again and we've seen it so many times since her character's been in it and um you know it's it's one of the things that just ruins the the story for me because the doctor's you know sidelined yeah he's he's gone off literally we see it right before our eyes you know all of the all of the weight of the story and everything is transferred over to clara again yeah you know yeah. surprise surprise and she's i don't know so i like her in this one in terms of there's a couple of scenes where i think her performance is absolutely brilliant mm. but the rest of the time it's just that oh it's like you're treading on eggshells it's like you know it's going to be about her any minute it's going to be about her any minute all mm. of, you know it's coming, it's coming, it's going to be about Clara. And I'm, I'm just not on board with that. So, um, yeah. I, I, I like agree her, with that. Yeah. Yeah. I like her yeah. in a couple of scenes, but overall it's just that typical, oh, don't worry, Clara will save the day. Who's that doctor guy again? Who is he? Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the biggest problems of the Moffat era, isn't it? I think when we when we look back on the episodes, yeah, it's just one of the biggest problems with it, I think. It's, it's just, well, it, you know, I'm sure a lot of fans out there are saying the same thing because there was all this thing where it was just being called the Clara, Clara who wasn't it? That's right. Clara show yep. and all that. Yeah. So, you know, it's yeah, but it, it's probably not the worst example of it happening, but it is like you said, so explicit when the doctor just does one and it's mm -hmm. all down to Clara. Yeah. Yep. But, but thankfully she gets that end scene, which does save her. I think yeah. she, she gives a good performance in that. Indeedy. 
Yeah. And Mr. Capaldi then, our 12th Doctor Attack Eyebrows. Mm. Very good in this one. Absolutely brilliant, actually. Yeah. Um, I was, yeah, because I, I love Series 8 Capaldi. The more I watch him, the more I l- prefer this way he's playing it. I don't know why they've sort of changed him, really. Um, I know he's got to soften. I know they want to soften the character. I understand that. But um, he's just brilliant in this. He's cutting. He's clever. He's using things to solve the problems. You know, like, you know, he's inventive. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, yeah, he is the doctor for me in this. I, I really just was so engaged when Capaldi's on screen. The bit at the end with the argument, just his facial expressions and overall acting are are just spot on. You know, the guy is brilliant in it. Uh, He does the humor. Mm -hmm. I I just can't, I cannot fault him in this story. I just thought he was superb. Um, I think I said earlier, I always, in my head, I always think it was Mummy on Express, which cemented him as a doctor for me. Um, Looking back at this, I just think he's he's brilliant in it. He is the doctor in it, you know? Yeah. I think it's more this episode for me because up to this point, he'd been, I think they tried, they weren't really sure. Um, well, maybe they were sure on you know what they wanted to do with the Doctor in this series moving forward. But I think at this point, Capaldi himself had really decided in his head, right, it's going to be this way. Because if we look at the story before, which was The Caretaker, that was a bit too fluffy for me. It was like the Ghostbusters thing oh, that's right. going yeah, on. And, about that. yeah. You know, he yeah. tried to, they tried to make him a bit funny at times and you know, he was a bit up and down. Whereas in this one, he really turns a corner. So from here onwards, and then the next story is Mummy on the Orient Express, which is brilliant. He's amazing in that. Yeah. So I think this is the bit in the series where he turns the corner and he decides that, and I personally feel it's Capaldi doing that. I feel that he decides, right, I'm going to play the Doctor, you know, pretty consistent to how I've been doing it, but I'm going to make him more how I feel he should be. So I'm going to make him more grumpy, He's going to be more short with with Clara in terms of his, you know, being annoyed at things, um, and just the, the overall performance. It, it, I think he's he just really cements himself at this point as the Doctor, doesn't he? He's just because a lot of I think like you, a lot of people, you know, think that it's it's from the Mummy, the Mummy on Orient Express onwards because mm. they forget about this story quite a they lot. Have- you know yeah yeah because they feel it so bad they never watch it again so they never really see his performance or they don't remember how good his performance was mm-hmm. but for me this is the story where he really just he's got that classicness about him you know those early classic doctors it just oozes classic who for me his performance yeah. anyway um so i i love him in this it, he he's the it's his performance that stops me from giving it a really bad score. <laughs> yeah, I was going to um, say he—he, he, I wouldn't say he—he he, he pretty much carries it. I mean, I think I just—I just found his so him so engaging in the episode that I—I mm-hmm. I was really enjoying it. But but mostly because of Capaldi. Yeah. Just I was just sat there thinking, oh, he's so good, mm-hmm. you know. And I kept thinking while watching the episode, how have we gone from this smart, intelligent? doctor that solves things and is a really strong character to this buffoon that rides in on a tank with sonic shades and a guitar because it i just i really like capaldi in series eight and the more i watch it the more i think they should have kept him or he should have kept that persona because i think he's he's so much better like this i i'm just starting the more i watched 
eight compared to nine, mm-hmm. series nine. I, I just think they, they, they've they sort of started going down the sort of Matt Smith era again with the sort of bumblingness and, you know, just being walked all over. And he's so strong in this, yep. you know, the way yep. the way he just handles the situation and stands up to Clara and, you know, and the speeches he makes and the way he delivers them. And, and like you said, the sort of alienness of the doctor that he brings through in, in his not showing any emotion, like you said, not caring about, you know, the sort of argument. Well, he does care, but you know what I mean? He's very cold about it. Yeah. You know, so yeah. much more the doctor to me in, in series eight, I think. Um, interestingly, this was actually written for Matt Smith doctor. Wasn't it this story? It was originally written for, for the 11th doctor, um, which I find interesting because I can't imagine how that would have worked. I cannot see Matt Smith doctor, just you know going off like the 12th doctor does at the end of this i just can't see matt's doctor doing it maybe they rewrote rewrote it quite a bit i don't know yeah well i can't see the interaction you know the the, i can't see the interaction between the doctor and clara being anywhere near as strong between the 11th doctor and clara as it is with the 12th doctor no i agree i think um if it was a matt smith uh, story it would have been a lot lighter yeah Um, in you know in more ways than one but interestingly enough um, um, when the moth was mm. talking to um, uh, Peter Harness about this, about the about the story, um, he he basically said, and this is quote: uh, "Hinchcliffe the beep out of it for the first half." Yeah, which you can see makes sense now because the first half is the best part of the story. It is, and yeah. and you can absolutely see that um, the moth was all over the second half or the last third at least, um, which is definitely which is yeah. a shame. And we've said this a few times, haven't we, about um, either Matt Smith or Peter Capaldi stories where we just wish that the moth would have let go a little bit more. You know, yeah. not held Stop so sticking his blimmin' aura in. Yeah, not yeah. held so tight. Just basically brief the writers on what they need to include in the story because there's a wider arc for the series or whatever it might be and just let them get on with it. Cause there are some stories where it's evident that there's scenes or a section of the story where it's no longer, um, Peter Harness. This is Stephen Moffat. Mm. You know, it's, it's blindingly obvious. So, um, It's clear as day, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But anyway, the uh, Capaldi is absolutely brilliant in this. I think we both agree. He is. Um, he is, yep. yep. And like you say, it's just a bit of a shame that in series nine, they sort of write him a bit inconsistent and he turn him into a, you know, not as strong and not as uh, detective as he is in this. He's just a bit sort of handheld by Clara a lot. Yeah, I think so. I think it's just going back towards the sort of, the the relationship between Clara and the Eleventh Doctor, they seem to yeah. be sort of more going back to that in Series Nine, and this is much more interesting seeing this Doctor that mm-hmm. is unpredictable and that she can't fathom either. She just can't. She doesn't know what's going to happen from one minute to the next with this Doctor. It's, I just find it much more interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, rightio. I think it's time that we move on to scores. Mm. It's quite a difficult one to score. I think. Well, maybe not for you. I found it quite difficult to score. But um, who's going first this week? It's you this week. Right, okay. I found it difficult because there are some major issues with this story. (laughs) But I did enjoy watching it. (laughs) So that's why I found it hard to score. So I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10, um, which people might think is a bit high. I I did enjoy watching it, despite the the silly egg 
and at the end and all that and the lights um i did enjoy watching it i think mainly because of capaldi i just yeah. just really enjoyed his performance so yeah seven out of ten for me mate what about you okay for me it's going to be a 5.5 oh golly good golly miss molly 5.5 and mm. the majority of that 5.5 is capaldi capaldi mm. um and some of it is made up of the of the really good suspense and mm. sort of set up to the story in the first half um but then there is there's just two well there's a there's a few large um black spots hovering over it that just really pull it down unfortunately but it's not a bad watch that's for sure it's mm, certainly not a bad one i could certainly i'd certainly happily sit there and watch it let's put it that way it's yeah. one that i would quite happily watch yeah yes what did you guys think let's mm. kick off with an audio review this Ooh. is alex kingdom hello gary Annan from the big blue box podcast now kill the moon I am a defender of Kill the Moon. Uh, I don't understand when people say that the science is all wrong, because I don't think they're reading the title that the category of Doctor Who comes under. Science fiction. Science fiction. Did you hear that? Yeah, it's a science note, but seriously, it's fiction. It doesn't really matter whether the science is absolutely correct. It just matters that the story is good. And how is the base story good? Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, the moon being an egg is an exciting concept in itself. and the, I mean, the production values on this episode is gorgeous. When you see the, the Doctor going around the moon, it looks great. Um, Courtney Woods was there doing something, I guess. I don't really care about her. Uh, Clara, again, I don't really mind her. And that woman that they meet, she's alright. Um, yeah, I didn't really like the end bit, though, with the whole dragon... Hatch out the egg and the egg and egg immediately because that is a bit far fetched. I'm not gonna lie. Just saying that now, I just don't really like the idea of it. Sorry about that. But yeah, anyway, I'm gonna give this one an 8 out of 10. It's a bit of a stretch, really, but I'm gonna give it an 8. I really like this one. I, I think it's a fun watch. I'll go put it. It's one of the best that series, in my opinion. See you guys next week. Goodbye. So, Cheers, uh, Alex. He raises a good point, I guess. Um, it's not a science program. It's science fiction. Mm. Look into that. I think that's that. what Capaldi was trying to say. Yeah. yeah. Sort yeah. of read into that as much as you allow your mind to, I suppose, mm. is, is the moral of the story. <laughs> yeah. um, let's do another audio review. This is Chris Law. Hello, Gary and Adam. Uh, Kill the Moon. I've never rewatched this episode as I really didn't like it the first time. And it still doesn't do anything for me. Without wanting to sound negative, the episode, just I just kept losing focus throughout it, which is never a good sign. The concept was just ridiculous. The moon as an egg. I think that's why I struggled to connect with the episode. I, I know in Doctor Who you've got to suspend your belief, but this is just a bit too ridiculous for me. The Doctor leaving Clara to make the decision was the best part of the episode, and seeing Clara so frustrated was great. But it didn't really go anywhere in the next episode, so it was almost a bit redundant. Courtney was interesting. Not great, but I quite liked the way Capaldi interacted with her. And that scene when she's in the TARDIS alone, though, how could she possibly be bored with all those rooms and all those corridors? And she's sitting there, bored. Would be nice to see her in class, but just to, just to link it to the show, Patrick Ness doesn't like cameos, so that won't happen. The music I found quite overbearing. It's nice, 
but just a bit too much. I still can't believe this is the same bloke who wrote the fantastic Zygon two-parter in series nine. I don't understand how you can go from an episode like this to arguably the best two-parter in the last few years of Doctor Who. Overall, I'm going to give it a four out of ten. Uh, see you guys next week. Yeah. Excellent. Mm, good thoughts there. Yeah. Um, Mm, it is. It's difficult to get over the moons and egg thing, isn't it? I mean, a little bit. I, I agree with him to that point. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Over on Twitter, George Garrity at GUnit91 says, um, "Badly inserted metaphors, strange ideas with a terrible conclusion." In brackets, bloody Clara, um, <laughs> saved by some nice cinematography and a wonderful performance by Capaldi. Mm. Uh, four out of ten. Yeah, he's got some very good points there. Yeah, uh, Daniel Fox uh, at Daniel Fox nine 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 says quite good despite the ending. Capaldi on top form. Clara good with some development at the end. Spiders were quite scary. Eight out of ten. Mm, okay. Uh, Nick Gossai uh, at G Gossai. Just one word. Dire. <laughs> oh no, it's better than that. Yeah. Um, uh, DWP Productions at who underscore production says not the best episode was really set up to be an S8 uh, series eight highlight, uh, but just felt filler to me. Mm, yes. Possibly. Uh, yeah. Jason McIntosh. Um, uh, his Twitter name is at uh, McIntosh uh, J Mac. He says a poor episode in a series of poor episodes. Absolutely awful. Mm, now I can't agree with that because I'm actually starting to like series more, uh, series eight a lot more than nine. I actually think there's some really good episodes in series eight. The more I watch it, not all of them, but there is some good stuff in there. I think. Yep, that is Jason's opinion, though. Mm, yeah, so, his opinion. fair enough, buddy. Um, let's do our third audio review of four before we get over to Facebook. This is Joe Sweeney. Hello, again, Adam. Happy guys, are well. Kill the moon. Now that's very interesting. Well, for me, it is one of the best highlights out of Series 8. I thought the storyline was great, good concept. It's got some very good pacing, and, and it's dark, it's scary, it's intense. And I thought the spiders worked so well within the story, and the co-cast was, was very good. Um, there's a little bit of few nuggets in there I have to point out. I didn't really like the Doctor's nastiness. Um, I just I just feel that they toned it just a little bit too high because I didn't like how he was being too harsh towards Corny and um, Clara. I know they they done on purpose to just for build up towards the end, but I just think that's just gone a a little bit step too far for um um for the Doctor. Um, and also what ruined the story a little bit was when the creature um hatched. And after the moon disintegrated, um, the creature laid another moon. I just think that just looked ridiculous. And I just think that just killed the story a little bit for me. Um, Peter, Peter's performance was great. And Jenna's performance was absolutely phenomenal. And, and also the scene with the Doctor and Clara at the end was just wow. So overall, great story. So I'll give a score from 8.5. Hope you enjoy the podcast, guys. Be soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, Joe. Cheers, Joe. Yeah, he's a, agree with a lot of what he said. Yeah, yes. very good. Right, over on Facebook, Sammy Satine says, the Doctor, Clara and Courtney go to the moon because the Doctor wanted to make it up to Courtney because Clara told him off of what he mean to her. <laughs> uh, three sort of astronauts in a second-hand spacecraft are headed to the moon 
Um, but these guys want to know why the moon was put as put on weight, and they doubt it because it ate too many donuts. Yeah. Uh, as far as the story goes, I think it's good, and I believe in a woman's right uh, to choose, and that abortion should be legal everywhere in the world um, to have one. Uh, yeah. I like the bacteria who seem to be um, some sort of spider-like bacteria. I also like the head astronaut played by Hermione Norris, who was also in Spooks. Uh, Courtney's not that bad in this. She's far less annoying than the year uh, than the years eight in the Forest of the Night. Uh, Clara grows a spine and nearly leaves. Shame she didn't. Oh, but farewell. Um, I doubt um, she could slap him as hard as she claims. Uh, Peter is excellent as per usual. I like the polka dots on the shirt. She gives so do I. Eight out of ten. Yeah, so I liked his shirt as well, Sammy. <laughs> um, Lewis Palmer. Quite like this one. It feels like proper Doctor Who. It's got some great monsters, great performances, and it's just a really fun ride. Courtney is okay, but can get very, very annoying. And things like the whole Tumblr reference will be what dates the show in years to come. Mm. Uh, I'm not a fan of Clara. Her performance was superb in that scene at the end. Uh, it's just a shame the whole thing was undone in the next episode with her being back in the TARDIS again. Uh, also felt the... Um, the direction could have been stronger throughout the episode. Overall, it's decent enough watch, 7.5. Yeah, I thought the direction was okay. Um, I think they throw the Tumblr thing in there. Actually, has a, a joke to it being old, don't they? Doesn't she say, oh, my, my, my nan used to use that or something? So, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, Matthew Webb uh, says, it's a fun little romp. Not a big fan of Courtney or the fact the moon is instantly being replaced by another one, which is really daft. Um, mm. But that ending conflict between Clara and 12 is superb. Uh, five out of ten. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, Finn Walsh says, Hello, guys. It's been a while since I've done this, but let's get to it. Kill the Moon was decent, I have to say. Decent plot. Could have been better directing, but I like the concept and the feel was good. Definitely a good episode. Uh, I'll give it 8 out of 10. Ah, okay. Cheers, Finn. Uh, last audio review. This is Owen Daly. Hi, Garen Adam. Hope you're all well and enjoying the show this week. So, Kill the Moon, the story that messed up with science. Uh, I really wish, I think, um, they should have had a scientific advisor on the story, kind of like Jerry Davis did, I think, in the classic series, because the moon being an egg is a bit too far-fetched for me, even in Doctor Who. Uh, I liked him for taking the risk, but no, it didn't work. It didn't pay off. Uh, Courtney in the story, I would like to say I liked, but I didn't really. I don't think child actors did very well in Series 8. Courtney, she was written well. The actor wasn't bad. I just I just didn't like her. I didn't think she needed to be in the story. I liked Captain Lundovic. I thought she was very strong. And I liked how Clara had to take centre stage in this story, more so than what she did in Flatline, because I just loved how she was left to her own kind of wits. And how she went bananas at the Doctor at the end was really, really powerful and moving. It really made me... See the layers of Twelve's Doctor seeing him just leaving Clara on her own, which I did like, um, and how he came at the end, that he doesn't see what he's done wrong, showing the kind of alien side of the Twelfth Doctor. Um, the moon spiders, I don't see the point in them. They they shouldn't have been there. There was no point. I, I don't understand. And then they were just defeated by antibiotic, I think, maybe. I don't I don't know. I haven't watched this in one in a while. So overall, kind of like the story, kind of don't. 6.5 out of 10, one I will revisit soon, but not too soon if you get me. So thanks for listening and see you all next week. Thank I you get very you. Much. Yeah. I get you. I like the moon spiders. The moon spiders. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Give it, yeah, give it a rewatch. I think, uh, yeah, forget the egg thing at the end. Just, just switch off at 40 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, back on Facebook, uh, Stan uh, Gallagher says, good creepy story, had a vibe like Alien, the movie. 
which it did at times. Indeed it did, yes. yes. Charlie Turner. I'll begin uh, this one with a question. Why in the whole entire universe is this one hated? Mm. Uh, Kill the Moon is a decent story, not one of the best, I'll admit, but the only downside to it uh, is the character of Courtney. This character (laughs) uh, can, in the words of Capaldi himself, uh, should shut up, shut up, shutty, 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 up, 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 up. (laughs) <laughs> uh, she is not as bad as Angie from way back in Series Seven's Nightmare Ooh. in Silver. Holy oh. guacamole! She is that bad of a character. When we want to, uh, when we get it on the podcast, I'll explain my thoughts on that one. Uh, she goes on to say, um, "I think some eight, uh, some great acting uh, on Jenna Coleman's part as Clara, showing some raw emotion. It's probably the most emotion I've seen out of any companion in the show. Yes, more than Rose Tyler in Doomsday." Uh, and it does actually work for me. I think I'll give this episode an 8 out of 10, um, which feel free to call me insane upon that rating. So, Charlie, thank you very much. 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. And I can exclusively reveal we'll be reviewing Nightmare in Silver in the year 2049. <laughs> We're going to leave it that long. Yeah, coincidentally, yeah. when the... Because yeah. <laughs> I'm just putting it off for as long as possible. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, one day we'll review it. Um, and lastly on Facebook, Joe Sweeney uh, says, um, I'd just like to add to my audio review, as I didn't have a lot of time to say it. Um, if Matt Smith had stayed for Series 8, um, uh, this episode was originally written for him. I always wondered if Matt Doctor behaved differently and would the story ended on a, would have ended on a nicer note for Clara and the Doctor. Almost certainly, yeah. Almost positively. Mm. Yes. Did you have anything over on the Geeks Handbook page? <laughs> yes, I did on the Geeks Handbag page. I had Patrick Sherwood who said, It is not the best 12th Doctor story now, is it? I don't like the story. It's not one I would put on. He gives it a 3 out of 10. Mm. So, Patrick, not a fan. Jason Howe says, Great story, great story, 10th story, but it turns to pure drivel at the moon is an egg. So he likes the yeah. first half, not the second. And George Coppen, uh, not a very good episode. Find it boring and a bit stupid. The moon is pregnant, really? 20 question marks. They have wasted. Should have been a good guest star in Harmony Norris. Could have given her a better story. And George has given it four out of ten. Ooh. Four out of ten. Yeah. Okie dokie. Um, so yeah, another. I expected this one to be reviewed poorly across the board. If I'm honest, I remember this mm-hmm. one getting so much flack. Yeah, I do. Yeah, um, when it came out. Actually, I think I missed a review um, on Twitter. Actually, now that I'm talking about flack, um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure was it on Facebook or something. Um, anyway, uh, Martin um, Vincent at Bad Wilf, our good friend Marty. Um, I think I remember him saying. I can't find it on Twitter or Facebook now, but he said this was one of the episodes that almost made him stop watching the show. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Um, so, yeah, another not-so-good review there. But, um, I, yeah, I expected this one to get reviewed more poorly than it has because I remember it just getting so much uh, bad press. Mm. Um, but it's not too bad. We've got a couple of quite high scores, 8s and 8.5s. Um, yeah. I get why. I get why why there is negativity towards it. But I don't think it's as bad as its reputation at all. No. Especially not on not a rewatch. Because I was thinking, you know, I remember like the first time, but I remember thinking when I was put it on yesterday, oh dear, is this gonna be is this gonna be rubbish on a rewatch? You know, is it not gonna be as good as I remember or whatever? Because of all the hate it receives. Mm-hmm. Um but no, I don't yeah. 
I think it's better than its reputation. Yes. Despite its faults. Despite its faults, yeah. Mm. Right, next week, we're going old school again. We are, yeah. So, Adam, what are we going to do next week, my good friend? Next week, it's the croutons. I mean, the croutons. Get your soup ready. <laughs> or your salad. It's the croutons. Get your, get your soup, Jamie. Jamie. Croutons. Oh, <laughs> good Lord. Yeah. Second doctor. Yeah, croutons. Yeah. Yes. That should be good. I have a confession to make. What's that? I've not seen this one before. You haven't seen it before? No. Right. So, I've got it ready on Duvda. So this will be a, a first view in for me. Oh, that's good. Yes. That'd be interesting. See what you think of it. It would indeed. So mm. next week, the Crotons. If you've not uh, seen it in a while, get it on, get the DVD on. Looking forward to your thoughts and reviews on that next week. And I think we'll mm. do that. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for sticking with us and listening to episode 113. Um, some rubbish merch um, <laughs> and some average news. Well, some Low very good. Yeah. Some good news for our US friends. Make sure you check out fathomevents.com mm. and nab your ticket to see power of the, the Power of the Daleks. I keep missing off to the... So you I can do see, that, yeah. yeah. The Power of the Daleks in the cinema in the US. That'll be good. Um, and then we had a bunch of class picks. So go and check them out if you want to. If you haven't seen them already. <laughs> um, right, next week it is The Crotons, The Second Doctor. Uh, so make sure you give that a watch. If you haven't seen it yet, like me, pick up the DVD and uh, give it a watch and we'll um, we'll give our uh, reviews uh, together. So make sure you send in an audio clip if you like, keep it up to a minute long, or just look out for the post on Facebook and Twitter and just give us your thoughts on that one. Be good. Uh, remember to check out our website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.com you can listen to all the previous episodes on there you can also link off to our social stuff Facebook, Twitter and Instagram all that stuff and you can also link off to subscribe do that and uh, you can grab the RSS feed and put it in whatever podcast player you like or you can hit the big purple iTunes button and do it that way mm. and if you are an iTunes listener if you could give us a like sorry uh, a review and a rating that would be amazing because that really helps us out edges up, edges us up further in front of all those other Doctor Who podcasts, which is only a good thing for us. So thank you very much. Uh, check out Adam's channel, The Geek's Handbag. Yay. He's got a very good YouTube channel. Do a search on YouTube and on Facebook for The Geek's Handbag. Loads of good videos there. Reviews, unboxings, vlogs, roundups, on-the-spot reviews, the whole shebang. You name it. Some good stuff on there. Um, the last video you did... It's really, really good. Those Pop Funkos, I've, I still need to pick them up. Oh, yeah, yeah, you like those, too. Yeah, the War Doctor, he looks so good. He is good, mate. Yeah, he's a good one. Yeah, and also... Maybe look, tomorrow in FP. Maybe tomorrow, yeah. And also, mm. um, to continue my 10th Doctor run, I need to get that one with the hand. He's, he's good, actually. Yeah. I like him. Yeah. It's good. Anyways, we will speak to you guys next week. Until then, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... Hey, 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 h